FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71 of the podcast that goes snicked. It's a flashback episode. Flashback! Gonna live without it. I'm your host. I'm your host, Jason, the little runt lives Venable. And I'm joined once again by Cameron. Every time she looks at me, I'm in the 18th century Sinclair. Crickets. <laughs> is there not a cricket sound on there? No, nah, I wish there was. Oh, man. There probably is, but I didn't find yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Oh, here we go. It was just late. Oh. They were waiting for the nickname to sink in. Yeah, it took him. It was a head scratcher. It took him a minute. Right. Yeah. What does it mean every time? <laughs> can I? Can I go on now? Please. Audience, so rude. That's what happens when you podcast in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> it's the biggest crowd we've ever had. <laughs> All in Cameron's living room. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, we're gonna have an epic episode for you, and we're gonna try something. No, either be really cool or will really suck. Womp, womp, womp. And you'll have to let us know. <laughs> anyway, we're going to cover... All right, so when you think of, like, the John Byrne, Chris Claremont, Uncanny X-Men run, and we've already done a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. There's a lot of stuff. good stuff in there. But there's kind of two stories that that run is, like, I guess... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Known for. Epitomized by. Yeah, yeah. And... And we're about to do one of them, and then the other one will actually be coming up pretty soon, too. And one of them is the Dark Phoenix Saga. And so we were thinking about, you know, breaking this up like we normally do, but then um, germs and sickness and scheduling conflicts and more sickness and then holidays and then some more sickness got in the way, and we've decided... A rough um, couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna give you one giant episode for the whole Dark Phoenix saga. Nice. And how we're gonna do it so we don't kill each other <laughs> is we're gonna do speed rounds. Speed rounds. Yeah. So we'll actually have a timer going. We're gonna do the episodes in a timed section. And I think this will probably work, but if it doesn't, I apologize. Now what that does mean is that since I'm gonna we're gonna actually record it in a time, and I'm not gonna edit out the content. Uh oh. So if you hear a couple extra sneezes or coughs that I normally get rid of, you know, forgive me. So So you're just stating to the listener that you're going to be very lazy this time around. <laughs> not lazy. I'm honoring the timer. Oh, you're trying I get it. We're trying to do a real time podcast here, basically. Yeah, yeah. At least once we start the actual issues, yeah. Okay. So, well, that's I'm, I'm editing the hell out of this intro, as you can tell. So this is no really doubt. going to, to show the listener what the real sound of this. It's like how the sausage is made podcasting style. <laughs> You're gonna I'm listen pretty to this sure we talked are, about sausages the last time we did a flashback. You're going to be like, these guys, the, these guys are terrible is what they're going to say. Awful. They're going to listen to it. Awful. These guys can't stop sneezing and right. snorting like, and grunting and farting. It's like Britney Spears pre-production. Uh-oh. Yeah, 
you're going to be like, oh, they really have a lot of help to make that podcast sound I feel like that joke's about 10 years too late, though. Okay, I'm sorry. It's like Miley <laughs> Cyrus or... I feel like that's about two years too late. Or Katie Perry or whoever, whoever the hell the kids are listening to these days. Oh, my gosh. You're old. <laughs> I am old. What? So what's, what, what pop star? What's, what's the big pop star? I don't right know. Now? I'm just oh. saying. I'm pretty sure it's Miley Cyrus with her. Yeah, but she's all she's sticking all her tongue out. Crazy now, but I'm saying there's no production there anymore. That's just her being crazy now. Doesn't she still do songs? Or not crazy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. Well, Wait. I mean, the idea of the I guess the physical element. We're, thinking, we're chasing you know, a rabbit, not worth chasing. This is a very uninteresting. <laughs> all right. Wow, that was. So we warped something else. Here, let's okay. try a different one. Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into our Dark Phoenix speed round, shall we? Let's do it. All right. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> All right, so welcome to the uh, first ever flashback <laughs> speed round. We're going to do, uh, yeah, we're going to do 15 minutes an issue. And see if we can keep up and cover all the funny stuff we want to cover. So, I'm going to start the first timer now. Uh-oh. And here we go. Okay, so first up is Uncanny X-Men number 131. This is Run For Your Life. It's a Claremont Burn Austin production. They're aided and abetted by letterer Tom Orzachowski. Colorist Glennis Wine. And a uh, cover is by John Byrne and Terry Austin. And uh, what do you think about this cover? I think it's a pretty good layout. But Emma Frost looks very unsettling, but I think maybe that's intentional. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with that completely. Okay. It's a cool idea, layout. But yeah, I don't, I don't, it's a, they, they went too far. She looks too like Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, a little bit. A little, yeah, a little. Which I liked my Emma Frost looking. Sexy. Sexy and classy, but dangerous, you know? Right. That's what she's supposed to be. This is like, whoa, yeah. freak out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so remember uh, last time uh, the X-Men got captured by White Queen in the Hellfire Club and Kitty tagged along, and then she escaped. She's going to go for help. So we start off this issue with Kitty running from the Hellfire Club, and she's rescued by some other X-Men. Phoenix demolishes a car, and the X-Men regroup. Phoenix reads the mind of the Hellfire Club lackey to find uh, the Frost Base where the other X-Men are being held captive. We have a Trojan horse plan... Or a Star Wars Han Luke Stormtrooper plan to sneak into the base and Kitty phases in the back door, ooh, back door, to release Wolverine. Um, Emma is interrogating Storm. The X-Men spring their attack. Phoenix confronts Emma Frost, defeating with the Phoenix power. But Frost strikes back with the totality of her mental force causing a big explosion as the mental forces collide. Phoenix rises, get it, from the rubble with Storm and says Emma didn't make it. The X-Men go and decide that's good enough for them. 
They go back to Kitty's house. Um, Kitty's dad is obviously mad that uh, she disappeared and ran off with the X-Men. But Phoenix changes his mind. This causes Scott and Storm to worry about a quote-unquote darkness in Jean and are suspicious that someone might be manipulating her. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. All right, so on page three... Um, oh, Dazzler is correct. She says that her power is lame compared to Phoenix. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> and she is absolutely right. She is right on the money with that one. I would say that her power is lame compared to most of the X-Men. I agree <laughs> with that as well. Uh, I thought the Jean art was really cool on this page, especially when she's uh, the panel where she's lifting the other X-Men up. Yeah. Or I guess really just Scott and Dazzler, but I thought that went pretty cool. Um, the next note I have is on page seven. I thought uh, the panel of Jean reading the Hellfire Club Lackey's mind was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, basically, it's like the panel split down the middle, and one half is Jean's face, and the other half is the Hellfire Club face, and then you see, like... What they're remembering, like yeah. flashes of their memories. Yeah, like in the background, in, yeah, it was, in it was a, a faded cool blue. That. like that a lot. Um... Can we get some other stuff here? Anything here in the middle you want to talk about? Cause yeah, well, there's a couple of things. I thought the... I don't remember where it is. I forgot. I didn't write page numbers down on my stuff, but the um, the, the term neo-mutant I thought was interesting. Did you like it? I don't... I no, because I don't I'm think really it... I'm really a fan. It doesn't really make... It's not using the word neo correctly. <laughs> right, because there's obviously no matrix. <laughs> and there's no trench Well, because a neo-mutant is like, would be like a new kind of mutant. Right. Whereas this is just another mutant. Right. She's Maybe not, a new bio mutant. She's new in that she's young. Yes. And she's new newer in that way. New bio. Okay, we got it. <laughs> you know new bio, SAT man. Yes. No, but, so I thought that was a weird way to use it. Because they, they also use, they use it a couple times. And I thought that was strange. Um, I thought the... The, the the Hellfire Club guys all look like crash test dummies. They do, but I like the design a lot. I like it too, but they look like crash test dummies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can get through that. There was this guy who... Actually, I think that's the Weird Al words. I don't even know what the no. real song sounds like. It was the boy who got into an accident. Yeah, yeah. right, right. His hair turned bright white. Remember that? <laughs> is, is that the real oh. version or the weird? No, that's version? the real version. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. I bet ninety percent of the people listening. Yeah, that don't. guy really had a third testicle. Oh, I forgot about that rumor. <laughs> that's why he sang so low. Interesting. Yeah. Does that I mean Barry so. White had like six testicles? It's a good question. I don't know. Anyway, I like on uh, page fourteen. <laughs> Are electric snicked? <laughs> that did happen. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I know because John Byrne a lot of times, and he does this with Colossus too. Like the power has like this color outline, and it makes it look like it's sparkling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that. I liked that as well. Um, 
I thought the uh, the storm interrog just backing up a little bit. The storm uh, interrogation scene was kind of funny. Where she's all like, where they stripped her into her, her undies. Oh yeah. I was like, what was the point of that? Other than just wanted to give us some John Byrne sexy storm. I know he he loves making storm sexy. Yes, he does more than more than the other women characters in the book. Yes, no, he's got so he's specifically he's about got storm. a crush on storm. I think he does, or wants all of us to have one, one or the other. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. So um, let's see. And then my favorite, my whole favorite moment in the comic. I can't find it. I'll find it in a minute, and I'll tell it to you. Oh, I do like Wolverine's overly concerned about Kitty as being a kid in danger. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of good. I guess they were kind of hinting at what's coming yeah. for them. Well, and ultimately, what what will become a Which staple... Which is that Kitty gets pregnant with Wolverine's child. Of course, the yeah. Wolverine babies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it becomes a staple of Wolverine's character is his being drawn to younger... Younger and weaker, yeah. Like yeah, he definitely kind of has like a, a protection complex. Yeah. yeah. So that is interesting that that's kind of set up here. Even I don't know that they're really going for that necessarily, but that's ultimately we get to that, which I right. liked. Oh, here it is, top of page sixteen. Dazzler does her power and then says, "They're dazzled." <laughs> I hate that. Not <laughs> that's as so funny to me. That is so funny. Not as much as I hate the effing roller skates. Well. Oh my gosh, Dazzler! I, you know what I hate most is that they're trying to make Dazzler a character again. Yeah, like in current continuity. Oh, like are why? they really? Why? Why? Why are we doing this? I don't know. I mean, Dazzler. She's a one-trick pony, and her tricks suck. I get her in the late early '80s with the disco connection, but today I don't know. Yeah. No. 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 And even even here, she's not cool. It's really stupid. No. I, I think she's really stupid. I'm yeah. sure that, you know what, there's probably someone out there that's a huge Dazzler fan. Mike, Brian Michael Bendis, the current writer for the X-Books, I guess he's is the a one. huge he's Dazzler He's the fan. guy that loves Dazzler. He's got yeah. a poster of her in his room, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he probably says that, Dazzled. Dazzled. This book is dazzling. I bet that's what he does when he finishes writing a book. <laughs> he finishes writing a book, he submits it and goes, Dazzled. Dazzled. I hope so. All right, so we get a nice butt shot of Phoenix. On page 17. Nice. Um, and I like the little, like, G.I. Joe base toy uh, rubble yeah. wall. Thought that was cool. That was funny. And then I love Nightcrawler's teleporting and punching three people at once. Yeah. I yeah, love when Nightcrawler cool. does that. And we're, we're kind of just... This is like the second time I think we've seen him do something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I like that use of his power a lot. Yeah, I do um, too. Ah, do Oh, it's also I was going to comment on how hairy Wolverine is. Oh, he's super hairy, but he's been that way ever since Burn took over. Okay, so I was going to ask. This is, sounds really uh, homoerotic, <laughs> but I was going to ask: Is this the first almost naked Wolverine? No, has he no, been? No. Uh, when they were, t- I, I think you missed the episode where they got taken over by Mesmero at the circus. Oh yeah, yeah. I, so I he was chained one. up like an animal, and he was super hairy. Um, okay, so I mean, well, I w- you would assume that he's really hairy, but I was just that yeah, they really go all out to show exactly how hairy he is. Yeah, so I like how Colossus uh, tells Cyclops that Wolverine dealt with them. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. Um, 
They handled it. It's handled. It's handled in the way that Wolverine can. And we do see uh, page 22 that, that Kitty is becoming more and more enamored with Colossus. Yeah. So that's cool to see. Yeah, right off the bat, she's drawn towards Colossus. Yeah. And the mental fight on page 23. As usual, John Burns' Phoenix power looks amazing. And when yeah. it grabs, like mentally grabs Emma Frost with her talons, it looks really, really cool. Yeah. And kudos to Gwyneth Wine on the coloring for that, too. Yeah, I agree. It looks cool. Uh, I had a I had a real problem. Back up a little bit. Okay. Um, I had a real problem with Colossus. Because one thing he says... Um, some guy with a gun basically says he's going to shoot Colossus and because he says his gun packs the firepower of a full rifle company. That's some gun. And Colossus says, if your, power ha- if your weapon had the power of an army, it would still do you no good against one who can turn to solid steel. Right. But, and then he kills the guy. Right. <laughs> but armies blow up steel things all the time. Not with guns. Sure they do. Tank guns, <laughs> bombs. Armor. Colossus has not yet heard of the armor crashes, bullet. Steel cars bend when they crash into things. Yeah. But that's not organic steel. So we're setting out already that it's a different kind of steel that's far more strong, far oh, stronger than steel. I think we've seen that the Colossus is pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. So. He is. I just uh, thought it was interesting. The whole because yeah. I can buy bulletproof. Okay, well, this is just reinforced steel, so this makes it bulletproof. Right. But the idea that an entire army could do no damage to Colossus, which I'm okay with that, if that's how we're going to establish that the way the steel is particularly just invulnerable to everything. Yeah. Short of adamantium, which I guess is what they eventually what we get to with Colossus. Anyway. Well, I think at this point, though, I think, <coughs> didn't Wolverine like as a he. So I stick Colossus and he just kind of deflected, or was that somebody else? Hmm, I don't remember. I think that was somebody. Never mind. Scratch that from the record. Okay. Oh, if only I could edit. Oh, no. You're <laughs> trapped by your own parameters. Yes. Um, so on uh, page 26, once again, uh, Gene's kind of a bitch, and Professor X is a dick. Oh, Hello. Yeah. yeah. Hello, girlfriend. I also thought I thought two crazy things from this section. One, I thought it was really weird that Dazzler just bails. Oh, but it's awesome. Well, I'm glad she's gone, <laughs> but her reasoning of that saving the world just isn't for me. Right. I was like, what? She's got a music career to I've think about. I've got to go make some music and yeah. throw some lights in people's right. faces. I can't be bothered to save people's lives. Right. Now, granted, her power is terrible. So how many lives can she really save? I don't know. Right. But it was just a really funny, just quickly, I'm out. The other funny thing is that Jean Grey's dad is Ron Jeremy. You mean Kitty Pride's dad? I mean Kitty Pride's dad. Yeah, he kind of is. He basically is Ron Jeremy. Yeah. So I do, I, I didn't say... Or going, Dwight Yoakam from Sling Blade. Right. Uh, going back to Dazzler, I said she gets to leave because she has her own series to go suck in that's about to debut. Yeah, that's true. 
So, and we do see that Wolverine gets frustrated with Professor X. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anything else? I thought there's an interesting focus on um, how much time do we have left? Yeah, twenty four. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. I can't say it that fast. Um. <coughs> The the idea that Jean Grey changes Kitty Pride's dad's mind, right, right, I calms that's him down. Interesting because it was, uh, it the, the whole slippery slope idea, right. That was it because it's like, well, this doesn't seem like a big deal because she's calming him down, she's settling things down, but it, the idea is, oh, time's up. Oh darn! That well, was pretty much all I had to say. Okay, all right. So Uncanny X Men one thirty one. When are you going to grade this one? Um, are we doing three or six? Six. We go to six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give this one five. Okay. That's too high. That's what I gave it. Okay. Yeah, so, I think five. All right. So we're both gonna give Uncanny X Men one thirty one five out of six claws. All right. Well, I'm gonna start the timer for Uncanny X Men one thirty two. Right. Let me load it up. Oh, you have to give me a second here. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, your 15 minutes starts right now. All right, 132. And Hellfire is their name. Yes. The title, playing yeah. on the and hell is his name. Oh. Revelation, okay. I assume. All right. So the creative team's all the same. You can skip that. Yep, all the same dudes. Actually, this one doesn't have Austin in the... Uh, Claremont Barn, oh, yeah. and then Austin is he's, Inker. He's been demoted he's to demoted just Inker back again. Back to just the Inker. Yeah. <laughs> I think at one point in the other in the other book, he said, um, "Maybe you should have him stand on this side of the panel." And that was, but that's the only thing. It's like one suggestion they put him in there. <laughs> right on. And this one, they didn't take any of his suggestions, so they <laughs> right. left him in Inker. Hey, Austin, just just ink, man, just ink. Yeah. All right, so this one starts with the Wait, X-Men. What oh. about the cover? Oh, back up. Cover, great cover, I think. By John Byrne and Terry Austin? By really? You think it's great? Austin. I thought it was okay. I think it's great. I think I liked the, although Jason Wingard is, uh, not Jason Wingard. Who's the guy on the right? The, 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 the cyborg guy. What's his name? Oh, Donald Pierce. Pierce, yeah, yeah. Um, he's winking, which is kind of strange. Is he or is he doing, can you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> I guess I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think it's a good cover. I mean, great is too strong, but I like it's a good cover. Yeah, I like that the, they're all sitting around drinking wine out of these fancy old goblets. That's their uh, pimp juice. And there's a there's a pile of X Men on the floor. Yes, I do like how Jason Wingard is using Colossus as a footrest. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. And you got and you got um, what's his name with a Zorro sash. Yeah. Sean Connery in the back there, too. <laughs> really? You think Sean Connery? I think it's more, um, um, uh, do, 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 do. Oh, old guy. Clearly. <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs. Well, we got 15 minutes. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony okay. Hopkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can All see right. that, too. Go, go. All right, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> All right. <coughs> so the X-Men show up at, um, Warren Worthington's house, Angel, and he's wearing absolutely classically 70s, late 70s, early 80s. He was just watching Jane Fonda workout video. Striped tank top, headband, short shorts, 
calf high socks with the stripes on yeah. it. It's just you yeah, can't get bands. any more. Pretty sure those are Chuck Taylors he's wearing. He literally just walked out of an '80s summer camp movie. <laughs> he just got back from being the counselor at an '80s summer camp. Yes, where everybody died. Yeah, because it's '80s. Horrible. But he had wings, so he flew away. He flew away exactly. <laughs> so they show up at his house to presumably hang out for a little bit. Yeah, and rest and recoup. Right. Um, Angel kisses Gene on the mouth in kind of a yeah. awkward moment. <laughs> yeah. Both awkward for Scott and for apparently Warren's wife or girlfriend. I mean, yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, then Scott and Warren. Candy Southern. Candy Southern. Yeah, that's right. So Warren then takes Scott up in the air and they fly around and have a conference on the top of a mesa somewhere. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah, yeah. Kitty Pride calls in and tells them that bad things are going down. So they try to figure out a game plan. Now, in this case, we also have Scott and Jean reconnecting. Yeah. So she shows up on the Mesa. Warren leaves them alone. They have a nice moment. He's got to go back to camp. He's got to go back to camp. Um, someone's got to watch those kids. Right. So Jean changes her clothes with her powers, which Scott finds oddly intriguing. Yeah. And then she takes off Scott's visor and uses her power. And he says, no, damn my eyes. <laughs> She uses her power cursed eyes. to stop his optic blast, which yeah. is an interesting point. I actually thought that was really cool. I did too. And it allowed them to look into each other's eyes. And to make out. Make out for a little bit. There's commercial panels in Have between, so I assume, I assume there's bow, more chicka, to it. Bow now. But they're getting back together, yeah. basically. And I think, does he? is this where he proposes? Spoiler alert. Or is that later? No, that's later. So. My bad. later. Oh, that's when they're about to die later on. Yeah. Whoops. Hey, hey. Spoiler alert. Okay, so flash cut two. We have Wolverine and Nightcrawler underground. Yeah, they're going to go back and get the Hellfire Club. We're going back to the Hellfire Club to check it out. Oh, that's... I'm sorry. I, I missed that point. They talk to Jay... Basically, we find out that Warren Worthington is also a member of the Hellfire Club. Yeah. He inherited it. Yeah, because his he's dad rich. was a member. Apparently, all rich people are. Yeah. Um, so they're going to use his connections to get them into your Han, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker plan to get them into the Hellfire Club. Well, that's when they, they dressed up like Hellfire Club goons, like dressing up like stormtroopers. Yeah. This is more of a, we're going to pretend we're rich. Well, I'm going to say yeah, kind no, of idea. Same con- You're right. All same right. concept. Sorry. So they pretend to be rich, fancy people. They go into the, so you got Wolverine, Nightcrawler under the sewers. They're going to get in. Wolverine lays a trap where he cuts the wire so that yeah, eventually that there'll cool. be a blackout, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. They get to the party, and immediately, Jean is brought back into her 18th century vision with Jason Wingard. Right. Well, because as soon as they walk in, Donald Pierce recognizes them. Yeah. yeah. He knows who they are. They're and like, then hey, Jason Wingard, Wingard, go do your thing. Quickly takes her back. So now suddenly she thinks she's in the 1700s. Right. She's in love with Jason Wingard. Apparently she's a slaveholder and is kind of horrible in the 1700s, which is kind of an interesting twist to this. Yeah. Um, and Scott is very perturbed. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that the girl he's just rekindled his love for is now dancing with this. Yeah. And kissing. Harry. Does she dude. kiss him? And yeah, she does. She kisses yeah. him. So very quickly, though. She is turned into the Black Queen. He, they go upstairs, presumably for some 
More about to bow now. But instead, or after, <laughs> she busts out as the Black Queen, right. dressed up and ready to go. And Scott recognizes that Jason Wingard is actually Mastermind. Oh. And that's the whole thing. He's been creating this illusion yeah. in Gene's mind. And his powers have been really amped up. His, yeah, powers but, ring. And I think they talk about how that happens I in a little bit. I think we do, yeah. So immediately when she's the Black Queen, she basically blows Scott up. Yeah. Although he doesn't die, but she does hurt him. And then so Colossus and Storm switch back into their form. Right. And we get into a big fight. Yeah. We have a great fight between Colossus and Sebastian Shaw. And Sebastian Shaw. When we find out about his kinetic power. And they had not established that yet, right? No, we knew he was a bad guy. And we knew right. he was a mutant, but now we know what But his does. specific power, yeah. So we have Colossus punches him, and basically he says, thanks, and then punches Colossus <laughs> even harder. Um, so the idea that he absorbs this power makes him very powerful. Right. So he's swinging Colossus around. Um, it's getting pretty good. More fighting. Nightcrawler is discovered underground. Uh, Pierce finds him. Wolverine basically almost cuts Pierce's arm off. He does, doesn't he? With his... I don't know if he cuts it completely off or partially off. Okay. And then the soon-to-be-gone Harry Leland shows up. Yeah, his hair is no is not white like it was on the cover. He's a ginger instead. Oh, yeah, that's right. He suddenly becomes a redheaded. Um, and I, what is his power? Oh yeah. Cre- increasing mass. Yeah. There's a weird power, but yeah. But he it makes increases Wolverine Wolverine's... drop through the floor into the sewer where he gets swept away, swept away, which is pretty funny. But if his mass is so great, why is the water sweep him away? Unless I... he immediately went back to normal, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, X-Men are defeated, basically defeated. Gathered up into a pile, much like the cover suggests. An X pile. But unlike the cover, we have the Black Queen, Jean Grey, Dark yes. Phoenix. Well, they didn't want to spoil that on the cover. Which I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Would have been ruined. So they, they pour their pimp juice. Sebastian Shaw puts his robe some on. Little John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then we end with Wolverine busting out. With what I thought was an absolutely fantastic final panel. Well, this is one of the most highly regarded panels of yeah. the Claremont Burn run. This is the panel. This is so quintessentially Wolverine. Well, even though the panel's leading up to it, where you see the water, then you see his hand, and you see him grab the pipe, and then he pulls himself up, and he goes, Okay, suckers, you've taken your best shot. Now it's my turn. Right, with a claws out yeah look and then it says wolverine alone nuff said yeah which of course if you were a comic book reader in the 90s was it when do they do the the nuff said thing forever they did right right a series of issues what did that run late 90s or early 2000s i couldn't remember when it was i was was gonna say late 90s where they did a whole if you've never heard of this they did a whole series of comics where no one ever said anything yeah and they called them the nuff said nuff said and most of them were pretty good the, the books that I were collecting all had pretty good I guess issues. that's true. Yeah. We didn't read everybody. But the ones that yeah. we read, the X-Men ones were all, the Wolverine one, of course, they were all really good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the end of that one. Yeah. There was a couple of funny things out I of that already, one. You already commented that how ridiculous Angel looks. Angel looks ridiculous. Um, I said in addition to Jean kind of being a bitch last issue, she's apparently also a slut. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, said page three, yet another Claremont recap. Um, <laughs> I made a probably not that clever remark on page seven that Scott got some butt on a view. But on a view. That's bad. That's um, real bad. There's a point, and I can't find it at the moment. <laughs> I also okay. was a little crass, but I actually thought about this. Most people, when you're uh, about to about mouthing, um, there comes a point, hopefully, if you're doing your job right, when you climax, and you kind of are concentrating only on that, so, so in my fan fiction, vinegar strokes is what you're talking about, huh? You're talking about your vinegar strokes. I don't know. I never heard that word before. You don't watch? I thought you watched League. You don't watch League. No, I want to. I haven't gone around to you. Well, watch League, and then you'll know what I mean okay. by vinegar strokes. All right. So anyway, in my fan fiction, Scott and Jean are getting it on on top of this mesa, and when Jean has her orgasm, she completely forgets that she was holding Scott's <laughs> eyes closed. <laughs> And Scott decapitates her <laughs> in the middle of his orgasm and never has sex for the rest of his life. I like to think that he... Because uh, it just scares the shit out of him. Yeah. I like to think that he uh, he pulled his head up, of course, and shot the... And then screamed, oh. taste the rainbow, <laughs> which is a comedy bang bang plug. Nice. Um, I liked on that same panel, um, Jean Grey says uh, to Scott, you're brooding... And he says, this is what I do best. And I wrote, Scott's real mutant power, brooding. Right, right. <laughs> brooding and uh, self-flatuation. Yeah. Um, I like Wolverine's kind of having a strategy tactician side on cutting the cables. Um, oh, I also found something offensive in here. And that there's a statement by someone, I forgot to write where, but suggesting that the Avengers were tougher than the X-Men. Oh, I didn't catch that, I don't think. Yeah, one of them say, one of the the, uh, the Hell, Hellfire Cups talk about defeating the X-Men and like, oh, now, something like now we can take on the Avengers or something. I forgot what the way they worded it, but they worded it where basically they were saying that the, the X-Men were the warm-up and the Avengers were the real. Wow. Okay. And I thought, no, sir. That sucks. Even yeah. with Beast still on the Avengers, <laughs> I will not accept no. that the Avengers no. are better than X-Men, no. which, you know, I'm sure that I could go to a comic ship and comic shop and get in a fist fight over that. Probably. But I'm right. not going to do that. So on page 22, and if we have to, we can come back to this in the conclusion. But Wolverine says... Yeah, I know about all about cyborgs. I almost became one myself. And I can Google the hell out of that and cannot find any theories on what that means. When he just means, oh, I have metal bones, that's kind of like being that's a robot. That's what I assumed. Okay. Was it that, that they were making I'm, him like I'm, a robot? Yeah, I was wondering if, if Claremont was planning on going somewhere that he never actually ended up going. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything about that. No behind-the-scenes... Huh. Nothing. That's interesting. And that definitely kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really think anything of it because I guess I just assumed that he was talking about that. Although they haven't really established. 
That he's all adamantium, yeah. That his, yeah, yeah. all his bones and everything are all adamantium. Yeah. Um, but I like on page. 20s, or did they? No, they have not. Didn't we? No, did unbreakable we, bones. Nothing about adamantium. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The unbreakable part. Yeah. I, I love on page twenty-six that Sebastian punches Storm and says, "Now pay the price." Says the man with a pretty ribbon in his hair. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian Shaw's outfit is pretty funny. With, oh. uh, real quick, I do want to say uh, there's a letter page, letter from Brian Kane, and he has bullet points, number of questions. And number five, he asked if Wolverine was born with adamantium, and the editor said no comment when he answered the letter. Interesting. So in the letter, this guy knows that Wolverine has adamantium bones. No, the letter is at, but he's asking if Wolverine was born with adamantium. But this I think he's just asking about the claws. Or no, he says adamantium, adamantium bones. bones. I think they've already established that the no, bones they've, themselves. They've just said unbreakable. It's, it's coming down the line. I feel like we talked about this on the, the last time. Well, well we can not. come back to it. All right, I so when you. you when you grade Uncanny X Men one thirty two, um, I'm gonna give it a five. Okay, I'm gonna give it four out of six. Claws. I'm gonna give it a five. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. Okay. No, no qualifications. No qualifications. All right. But I like the Hellfire Club. I think they're a cool. Yeah, I group. do too. I like the concept a lot. And just the last panel alone. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome panel. And let's follow up on that panel. I'm going to start the timer now for Uncanny X-Men 133. Jump right into it. This is Wolverine colon alone. Um, Let's see. Any change in the team here? Where are the credits? Where are the credits? Oh, they're there. They're in the thing. Terry Austin's still just an anchor. Yep. Everybody's the same. All right. So the cover is by John Byrne. It is Wolverine slicing through some Hellfire Club guys. Crash test dummies. Yeah. As Wolverine lashes out. And I got to say, all right, so this is one of my all-time favorite covers. Yeah. Like, I love this cover. It's a great cover. I don't really know what else to say about it, except for I just... Yeah. I don't know that I would put it in my... All-time favorites, but but it's yeah. definitely a very good cover. Okay. All right, so the Hellfire goons are the looking... The What? No, go ahead. No. So the Hellfire Club goons have gone looking for Wolverine, but instead he finds them and literally cuts through them until he gets shot. The dumbass goon approaches <laughs> the body cautiously and pays for it with his life. Wolverine lets the last one live so he can uh, get some info. Meanwhile, upstairs, the Hellfire Club have the X-Men in inhibitor handcuffs and Psyche in a ruby mat, the Cyclops, in a ruby mask. Jean is in full-on Black Queen mode and is uh, integrated into the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. Uh, the X-Men are bewildered by Gene's behavior. Scott and Gene had entered into a complete psychic rapport, so Cyclops... Oops, sidebar. Moira explains that Phoenix had safeguards for Gene's inexperience. 
but her readings now show the safeguards are gone and she has near infinite power. And Professor X confides an angel that he resents Cyclops and hints at some dark secret. All right, back to our story. Uh, Wolverine gets busted sneaking around. But, oh yeah, so Cyclops looks for Jean in the astral plane and joins Mastermind's old-time adventure where they sword fight. Mastermind's power-up is a shh secret, and he kills the astral old-timey Scott, severing Jean's ties to the X-Men once and for all. Meanwhile, Wolverine runs into uh, security, but he won't use his claws because they might just be innocent guys. So he gets overrun by the security guards. Back in the Hellfire Club, Cyclops, since he died on the astral plane, dies in real life as well. And that is our cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun again. All right. The whole fight scene with Wolverine is fantastic. Awesome. And I love how all of his kills are in red tone. Yeah, it's interesting. That was really cool. A really nice touch by Gwen and Swine. uh, Yeah. And they can't show all the blood, so they just show that it's violent, I guess, by the color. I don't know. It was really, really cool. It is weird. On page six, though, there's one with a face mask. This guy's face mask looks scared. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like when they do that. I it's like when they funny. do that. Because they do that with Batman and Spider-Man a lot. Where yeah. in real life, the mask wouldn't move. Right. And they use them to show emotion. I think it's kind of, it's yeah, a cool like comic book thing. So, <clears throat> all right. So we, we get to the Black Queen and the whole slave thing. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, oh. All right, so Wolverine kind of explains himself. Um, he says, well, bub, Wolverine is virtually unkillable. Wolverine's claws are adamantium, the strongest metal known, capable of slicing through vanadium, whatever that is, steel like a hot knife through butter, and five meters of floor ain't much of a distance at all for me. And then when the guy gives up, he's like, oh man, I was hoping you'd go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Guy drops his gun and Wolverine's disappointed. Yeah, that's pretty Um, funny. And just a kind of a modern DC reference, uh, Cyclops on page seven with his ruby mask looks a lot like the Red Hood. Yeah. I was thinking uh, Deathstroke when I first saw it. but All right, so back to your point. I wrote on page 11, Slave Storm. Um, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, it's not. No, I, I, here's, here's my thing that bothered me. Okay. So... So Mastermind slash Jason Wingard has, is giving Jean a illusion in her mind. Right. But is he also controlling her? I think he's influencing her darker side. Because he... Somehow? Because the idea here is that she thinks it's the 1700s and she's married to him. Right. She thinks she's her ancestor. But theoretically, in that context, she still has her own will... And she's still controlling what she's doing in this new environment. Right. But the idea is she she should still be Jean. But she's the dark side of Jean. I mean, we're we're building up to Dark Phoenix. Yeah. So But it doesn't really make it doesn't really make that much sense why she would so quickly become the Black Queen and 
a evil slaveholder and all these kind of things. That's a pretty fast shift. Right. If Mastermind is not controlling her mind, but maybe yeah. he is because he can give her the illusion that she is this person. But, but was she an evil slaveholder? She never mistreated her slave. She just mistreated her she on says. this panel right here. Yeah, but she says, I never mistreated you, but you betrayed me, so well, I, slave- will, I will whip you in the face. Well, here's here's my history nerd moment here. Slaveholders always said they didn't mistreat know, their slaves. Slavery, which slavery is why slaves love being slaves. That was the argument of slaveholders. Oh my gosh! I mean, that was the, that was the defense that right. slavery is a good institution and right. slaves love it. We're, we're upping their station in life or exactly. some, some bullshit. There's lots of different things, yeah. but anyway, yeah. history nerd moment over. No, I, no here, I agree. I, I yeah. think. I mean, it was slavery just weird. in and of itself is evil. I well, clearly. I, so I guess my my one defense though, if this is America during this time, is is that kind of what Storm would have to be in this flashback, or are there other options historically speaking? It depends on where you are. Okay. I mean, if where are they in this? I don't really know if they're like in England or if they're in old the time North, I mean, America. I don't. It really would make know. sense, I guess, in this era that she would be a slave. Well, she wouldn't have to be because there were free blacks. Yes, yes, in places. Um, and I and that that part didn't bother me so much because I think it makes sense in the context. It was the, the way in which Jean acts. So she becomes right. this. Dark, much darker person but I, you're right the, the, yeah, the my dark argument Phoenix. to that though is as much as i remember liking gene i think i just like 90s gene because 70s gene is and I've, I've hinted at this a little bit before she's kind of a bitch yeah i mean <laughs> she she's been mistreating people kind of all along she's kind of selfish um kind of bratty yeah i mean i don't know I, i'm wondering if I mean, it's better than the '60s Jean, who just fell yes, down all the time. Yes, at least she has power. But you, but you're right. She, she's not, she's not um, the nicest person a lot of the time. Okay, yeah. so, so move beyond that. Um, Nightcrawler's got a fantastic mustache in his, in his illusion version of him. Right. Your little '70s mustache. Page oh, 10 Errol, still. Yeah, does he have his Aeroflint mustache? Yeah, Aeroflint, okay, yeah. yeah. So, all right, so the next part. So we have Scott wearing this little ruby mask. Yeah. Somehow, between their rapport, as he calls it, which is a really silly name, I think. And can, their, I tell you, can I just talk about how much I love that we can see that Scott was turned on by the psychic rapport and that there's a, telecon- <laughs> a telekinetic erection coming there's, out of his forehead. There's, there's, yeah, that's really funny. That is an erect penis. Yes. Yeah. It's, there's no, uh, no... No getting around No it. getting around that. John Byrne, you dirty, dirty perv. You dirty man. So, <clears throat> so in this, so in the rapport, again, yeah. stupid name <laughs> for the psychic bond. Yeah, but that sticks. It does. So... so they have this small connection. So at the same moment where she's beating up Storm, she's well, this having... Is a, this is a flashback. This happened on the Mesa. Right, right, right. No, no. So, wait. Did I... Am I skipping ahead? I don't think so. 
I'm you're st- talking about this intimate moment. No, yeah, but I'm I'm talking about what happens in a couple of pages. Oh, so hold okay. so hold off. Okay. Well, then on page sixteen, I really like Angel in the Moonlight. Yeah, That's really I cool. Do too. That's really cool. Look. Um, I like how on page uh, seventeen, Wolverine says. There's a time for scrapping and a time for sneaking. <laughs> Either way, Wolverine's the best there is. So we're getting closer to his uh, tagline. Yeah. And I like that there. Wolverine also is tracking the scent of the X-Men. So it's cool. This is a very Wolverine-centric issue. Yeah. So, all right, so are we to the part that you wanted to talk yes. about? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so page 19. Scott is in the ruby mask and says if I can reach Gene through our private rapport mm-hmm. he can time time slip illusion he's trying to mess up this illusion in Gene's mind what I don't understand is how the face mask disappear and his visor comes back because he's in the astral plane but in real life no. The face mask right. also disappears. So on page 19. No. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. All I right. got confused. So the page from the mask to his regular uniform. Yeah, you're right. Where no, we I, I, to I the forgot. Astral plane. I we forgot know, that he went to the astral plane. We know that art-wise because there's no more background. Yeah, that's right. And I forgot the last page where it shows him on the floor with his face mask. Yeah. Never mind. I <coughs> completely blew it on this comic. That's okay. Um... Strike uh, all else, of that from Anything the else you want to say? Nope. I really, really love this issue. Um, finally, this is, to me, it's his Wolverine's coming out party. Like he finally just gets to be full-on badass Wolverine that we've been hinting at. But yeah. Like now it's really here. And we get, these are his first on-panel kills. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. So we, I didn't realize they're the first ones. Yeah, because his first... On yeah, in comic like, kill was on the Savage Land, but we didn't see it. Right. We see Storm and Nightcrawler react to it, but this time we actually see him just gut yeah, some health. Colossus saying it was taken care of. Right. Right. Yeah. Could, yeah. So yeah, that's that's right. This, is, this the is the first, first one. Actual kills. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Um. Yeah, I like this issue a lot. Yeah, it's a good issue. Anything else you want to say about it? We have a little sword bit of time fighting left. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, sword fighting. I like how even in the astral plane, though, that Scott's hat, like his eyes in shadow the whole time. Yeah, I liked that too. I, that I, was I think cool it's touch. just symbolic. I don't think he probably like can't see on the astral plane or anything right. like that. But, but that was a nice touch that like he still has to be cursed by his eyes or whatever. Yeah. So. Yep, I yep. knew like how when the Hellfire Club puts a gun up to Wolverine's head, he's like, Pfft. Yeah, that, Whatever, yeah, that was dude. A good, I was going to mention that panel too. It's almost like he's amused by it. Right. I feel like his fins are getting a little bigger. Yeah, they do seem just to be growing. Me, or is it just maybe a little, a little more accented? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Almost. Yeah, so Cyclops dies and uh, Sebastian Shaw gets his... Uh, Bathrobe on. <laughs> He's got the robe on, man. He's ready to roll. Yeah. So, all right. right. What, what do you want to grade this one? 
Um, I'll give Uncanny, it a five too. Okay, Uncanny X Men one thirty three. <laughs> Cameron gives it five out of six. I'm gonna give this one six out of six. Oh, hello! I, I loved it. Yeah, it's good. So, we have forty eight seconds. Oh, what else you want to talk about? I don't know. Who you pulling for in the uh, AFC NFC championship? I don't even know who's playing. <laughs> <laughs> I the know. only thing I That's care why about I asked you. is that I heard that the best time to buy a new TV is a Super Bowl weekend. Really? That's when the best deals are, I guess, because lots of people upgrade their TVs for Super Bowl. Huh. So I'm going to buy a new TV. Really? Yeah. Go for it. You know, it's funny. This is the one I thought we would have trouble running out of time. That's funny. <laughs> well, we could have spent but more time on the sword fight. Yeah, I think I just... I. I guess the ones I like more, I have less to say about sometimes. But we don't make fun of it nearly as much. Yeah. Oh, the buzzer. All right. Wait, I just thought of something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for Uncanny X-Men 134? You got your stuff pulled up? Uh, just a second. Okay. Okay. All right, and the timer starts right now. All right, Uncanny X-Men 134. Heroes and Hellfire. Oh, I have too late the heroes. Oh, it's both. The cover says Heroes and Hellfire. Oh, yes. But on the first page, too late the heroes. Right. So, great cover, I think. Yeah. um, Oh, we have a a different uh, colorist. Oh, Bob Sharon is the colorist this issue. All right. So, this cover. Bob Sharon. um, Is this, was it uh, X Men 100? Where they kind of faced off against, like, where the X-Men were facing the evil X-Men. And Professor X was in the middle that... throwing his hands up. Yeah, I don't remember which uh, issue that was, but yeah. I think it was 100. Anyway, I thought this was a nice right. little callback. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the phoenix in the background. The face, is, she looks a little too scary, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So, in this case, <clears throat> we pick up same place. X-Men are captured. Scott turns out not to be dead. Uh, is getting up all wobbly. Yes. Um, but Wolverine's still not captured, still working his way up there. We get some explanation. Um, we find out that it basically retells us what's happening, that Black Queen is really Jean Grey, that Jason Wingard's really um, Mastermind. Mastermind looks sickly. Yeah, when he's really Mastermind. It's kind of a it's funny... no wonder he cast an illusion. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, in the midst of all this, they're sitting there, the the Hellfire Club's talking about just sitting around, and then suddenly Wolverine bursts through the door in a very awesome moment of action. Even in folks, the name's Wolverine right as he crashes <laughs> through the door. It's pretty awesome. He says, all the fluckies in creation ain't going to keep me away. And like as he comes in, he's literally got two Hellfire goons like wrapped around him. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's good stuff. So he crashes through the door. We get into a big fight. Black Queen. Black Queen. Yeah, Black Queen. Yeah. Um, stops Wolverine. Pauses him. And then suddenly, Scott shoots off his helmet. Well, I guess it Jean help. Grey gets rid of the lock. Yeah. <clears throat> and shoots off his helmet, blasts everybody's handcuffs off, and everyone is suddenly uh, free. Yeah, they also don't have hands anymore. 
But yeah, it seems like that would be the case. But um, and they have a big fight, and ultimately they defeat all the Hellfire Cub. Now we find out what happens is that when Scott died in the last issue in the sword fight, when Gene Illusion Gene saw Scott die, the rapport caused her to feel it in her bones, his death. Right. And then that shook her out of the illusion. So then she was just pretending that she was still a black queen. So she took the opportunity then to help them. So they defeat everybody. They throw everyone into holes. Wolverine kills Leland. Does he? I was going to ask. Not purposely, but he's falling down. Or actually, you know what? I think maybe they just say he's in the hospital in serious condition. Okay. I, I, I can't know. remember if he actually dies or not. But but he's falling from like the top story, and then Leland is not thinking and increases Wolverine's mass, so Wolverine lands on him. Right. Sorry about that. That's okay. Real time, baby. I'm telling you, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Horrible idea. <laughs> Worst episode. Abort, abort. <laughs> so, anyway, midst of all this, um, the party at the... So, in, in, they're having the party. all Going on this whole time, the Hellfire Club it's party has still been party. going. Yeah. It's a fancy party. So, when they get into this final fight, it bleeds over into the broader party. So then the party guests call the police that the X-Men are on a rampage wrecking this party. Right. Cut to Beast holding a book with his foot. Classic (laughs) Beast. I I noticed that too. Reading. Um, He's at Avengers HQ and he sees that the police are on their way to the Hellfire Club because it's being attacked, quote unquote, attacked by the X-Men. So Beast, always an X-Men, ends up erasing it yeah. And then leaving. Right. And we get the feeling that that makes him no longer an Avenger. I'm not uh, quite sure why yeah. that would be. But because he says, he talks about it as if this that was the end of his Avengers career right I there. I guess he's worried about getting caught, maybe. Yeah, that they won't trust him or something. I right. don't know. But anyway, he rushes off to go help the X-Men as best he can. Colossus rips Pierce's arm <laughs> off, which is... His cybernetic arms are not having the best of luck. I hope he had them insured. But then he punches his... Pierce punches his nub into Colossus's face. (laughs) And electrocutes him. Yeah, which I don't really know why that would bother him as a steel man, but I guess it was. Yeah, I don't know. Nightcrawler Nightcrawler takes... um, (laughs) (laughs) This is so Scooby-Doo. I know. He takes... Um, he juggles Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw, Shaw on his feet. I can't remember his name. Take, yeah, with his feet, and just rolls him in a ball for a while. It's pretty funny until Sebastian Shaw catches him and punches him. Right. Um, then they basically... Storm shows up. The fight continues. Jean Grey ends up confronting Jason Wingard, telling him when he'd been lost. And then she basically destroys him. She goes into Mastermind's brain and gives him too much knowledge. 
I think that's what they're saying happens here. Uh, yeah, I here. guess so, yeah. That's kind of what it, it sounds like. She gives him more knowledge than he can physically cape, than he can physically handle. Right. And then basically he just he goes he doesn't have catatonic. Phoenix power, so yeah. he can't contain this infinite knowledge and power. <clears throat> right. So basically he goes catatonic. Yeah, I don't know jewels. if he dies. I, th- I don't think so. He just goes oh, catatonic. Yeah, I don't know. So they're friends again. Wolverine, or Scott and Jean hook back up. And then they catch up with the other X-Men. It's raining. They get but into the Notice little... her voice doesn't go back. She still has the Dark Phoenix voice. Yeah, the little yeah. extra darker lines around what she's saying. So she's still full-on Dark Phoenix. Or Black Queen. Or Black Queen. Yeah, we haven't really established Dark Phoenix yet. Oh, that's true. The, the, the next page. Yeah. The next page. Is, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> so they get out of there, and then suddenly we reveal in a pretty, pretty badass panel... The Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I like the change in the color of the uniform. Yeah, they change I've the voice. Really like that. She switches uniform. She says, "Hear me, X Men. No longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire. I am life incarnate. Now and forever, I am Phoenix." And then she blows up the plane. Blows up the plane. <laughs> the end. All right. Let's see here. The, so basically the idea, <clears throat> let's ju- explain that a little more. So the idea is that she sees Scott die and something in her breaks. Yeah. And the idea is that the the darkness from that overwhelms her and that's what prompts her to shift to this Dark Phoenix character. Or Phoenix, basically. But the, the darkness... So she moves away from just being a lot more powerful as she had been in the last couple of issues. Yeah. This case, now she becomes this darker figure that this comic suggests is prompted by Scott's death in the astral plane. But I don't think that's singularly the issue, but that right. is kind of the trigger, at least, that we get out of this. Yeah. So on page two, go back to the beginning... I like the paneling there, but it also kind of made me laugh. And basically, you have the X-Men, and they're there how we are in the present. Then we get, they normally look, or normally our heroes look like this. Yeah. We have a smiling Colossus and Storm, and Nightcrawler looks exactly the same, <laughs> and Cyclops. And then we see them in the, in the illusion. And then we get, like, Gene versus Illusion Gene, and Mastermind versus Jason Wingard. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the idea. It's a little cheesy, though. Yeah. It's a little very, like, here's set up the set up the whole story. Right. I think we already alluded to this, but I wrote a note that said, if I was Mastermind, I would always look like Jason Wingard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mastermind's pretty rough looking. Um, also, Wolverine's blackout comes to fruition. Yeah, the callback as the water rises and uh, hits the wires. That he cut in the previous issue. Yeah. Get the blackout. That prompts the fight that then spreads into the broader party. All right. So um, I don't really know much about this Bob Sharon guy. And I've been really enjoying uh, Glennis Wien's colors. But this guy for a filling issue, I thought did a really good job on the colors. Uh, for example, the hot pink Phoenix power stuff looks good. Yeah. Um, the stuff where their Cyclops and Wolverine meet in the dark later looks really cool. 
Um, and it's not the colors are really astounding in this issue. Yeah, I, I I concur with that. It's a it's a good looking, it's a good looking issue. Yeah. So uh, just to point out, we do have a Gene Wolverine exchange on page seven, where Gene tells Wolverine to go, and um, Wolverine says, "Gene, you're working or Genie, you're working on the side of the angels after all. Nice, sneaky moves, lady. You're a woman after my own heart." <laughs> she says, "I know. I wish I was that." <laughs> That's my official Black Queen voice. Yeah, that sounds good. Right. Yep. Um, Wolverine wants a rematch with the help with uh, Leland, and he gets it. <laughs> um, and Cyclops says he can't beat Sebastian Shaw by shooting him because they're just making him stronger. Right. So he uses the old uh, Juggernaut Blob strategy, <laughs> where he shoots the ground out from under his feet. Yeah. But wouldn't if he then fell, come back stronger? <laughs> right. The 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 power. I guess, but know. then he's at least he's stronger, not in front of you. True. Um. What else? Yeah. So I wasn't sure if if Wolverine killed Leland or not. I kind of hope he did, but. Yeah, I think he says in left him in the hospital. I think in the next issue it says left him in the hospital or something. Yeah. I like on page 10 right before that that the mastermind literally blends himself into the wall. Yeah. And that, that was, and it, and it looks really cool yeah. the way they show it. Um, on page 11. Oh, when Wolverine jumps down, one of the guys in the party says, It's a maniac! <laughs> oh, that was really uh, funny. That was really funny too. Uh, Nightcrawler looks really cool. On that page. Yeah. When he teleports on top of Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Um, on page 15, I wasn't sure what was going on with the floor there. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what was going on there either. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like a Mendel thing or if that's actually what the floor looked like. Like, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, And then I didn't really have... Much comment, except for uh, I thought the last page, like we said, was really awesome. And I thought if I was reading this currently, like, that's quite a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, she turns into Dark Phoenix and blows up the plane. And literally, like, if I would have been reading this back then, I would have no idea what to expect. Next. Oh, yeah. This is like, um, <clears throat> you don't watch Game of Thrones either. No, no, I'm late to that party also. There's a scene that's similar to this in Game of Thrones that's like one of the best scenes in that, in that whole series. Oh, okay. But I won't tell you about it since you hadn't seen it. Is that the, the Red Wedding or whatever? No. No. no that's the scene everybody talks about. That's that's recent. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I thought the art... We have, I guess we haven't talked a whole lot about the art these last few issues. I thought you know, it was pretty standard burn awesomeness. Yeah. Um, well, we've last several episodes it's the same burn so yeah some of the faces are a little off distorted yeah yeah but I mean it's none of it's bad it's it's all and most of it's really pretty good I will say the on the the very first advertisement in the comic uh oh okay is for uh, OJ Simpson shoes 
I don't have that. Oh, like on the inside of the cover. Yeah. Yeah, but you should really see the one a little while back. There was OJ hold, hugging two kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I remember that one, too. <laughs> it was just really funny to see yeah. OJ back oh, when, he was, okay. when he was a famous football player instead of a famous murderer. Right. <laughs> I do think artistically, Mastermind losing his mind looks really cool. Yeah. And the way his, his eye even gets like stretched right before it closes. Yes. Yeah. Like, looks really sweet. I thought that was really cool. Alright, so Uncanny X-Men 134. What do you want to grade it? I'm going to go five. Five? Okay, I'm going to do a six out of six claws again. I've been yeah. loving this story so far. Yeah, I... I no, just funny. Well, we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. So, okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll do the second part. Sounds good. Alright. Oh, I'm up. Oh, you're doing a... Th- I thought you were going to do a thing. Oh, uh, I was going to, but I... <laughs> I don't know if I can live up to that. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a little intense. <laughs> All right, but we're, hey, we're in an intense story. All right, so basically our first part of the episode was covering kind of the four-issue build-up to Dark Phoenix that was Jean turning into the Black Queen, embracing her dark side, giving in, and then kind of coming back around, but I guess she liked the taste of evil too much. Over the, the the image of Scott dying, she and it broke her and it. said, "Well, he's not really dead, but I thought he was, and it hurt, so I'll kill him." <laughs> Overwhelmed, overwhelmed yeah. by darkness. All right, so now in this last half, we're gonna actually delve into the Dark Phoenix proper and uh, see where that takes us. So, I bet it's somewhere dark. <laughs> probably dark. We should be saying dark a lot more in this episode. Dark. Dark. Dark chocolate. Dark. dark. I don't know. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, well, we're going to do our speed round again. Um, I'm going to start with issue 135 of Uncanny X-Men right now. This <laughs> and this chapter is called Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dark Phoenix, and it's the same as last time. Bob, same as last time. Uh, everybody's the same. Bob Sharon is still doing the colors. So, um, yeah, yep. All right. We have a John Byrne Terry Austin cover with Dark Phoenix in a green background, crushing the X Men logo. Yeah, which is great, except for the face. Again, yeah, you know what? She's okay. a little too crazy looking in that. Like yeah. she's already lost her mind completely. Well, we might get some hate for this. This is one of the iconic John Byrne covers. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the trade for the Dark Phoenix saga, this is the picture on front. Interesting. Um, but yeah, something about that face has always bothered me a little bit too. It's too like she's completely lost her mind. Yeah. Which by this point, yet yeah, she's not to the point yet where she's in insane and doesn't know right, what she's right. doing and honestly i don't and i know they're they're just background props but i don't think the poses of the x-men look all that cool yeah they're they're kind of stiff looking and maybe it's yeah, there's very no, stiff there's no floor so it's like they're floating but then they're 
drawn like they're laying flat on something. Right, and Wolverine's leg looks broken. Yeah, his arms all twisted around, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I love this cover as much as I'm supposed to as an X Men fan. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll leave it at that. I think I'm in the same place. All right. Okay. So here's spaceship. A, yeah. Um. So Phoenix, <clears throat> Dark Phoenix, opens a can of wolf ass on the X Men and then flies off into space. Beast, after leaving the Avengers man Avengers Mansion last time, finds the X Men. Moira and Professor X are monitoring the situation and confirm that Jean is out of control. Yeah. And she has godlike power. Dark Phoenix eats a star for lunch, or maybe just a snack, killing an entire solar system. And also drawing the attention of the Shi'ar, who recognize the Phoenix in- entity. Back at the mansion, Scott uh, senses the gene is on her way back to Earth for another planetary snack. Careful, Jean. Earth will go straight to your hips. <laughs> Good one. All right. So I thought that... Uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I was wrong. The book is called Dark Phoenix. I said that. Oh, did you? Okay. I just said dark. Oh, no. And then I said, actually, it's Dark Phoenix. Oh, well, thank you for you correcting me. you ignored me. me. <laughs> Obviously. I'm sorry. Anyway, I love this title page. I like when Byrne works the words into the art. I do, too. He does that I, on a semi-regular basis, yeah. and I, I like it a lot. I do, too. When it's done right. Yes. And he usually does it right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't, but he's, he's usually pretty good. Yeah. No, that's um, really cool looking, I think. I, I take back what I said about the, the face on the cover. I still don't like that face, but this is the issue where she goes nuts. Yes, it is. So it it's yeah. more... I guess applicable than, than what I was suggesting. Yeah. Um, I, I thought of you on page two because uh, after Phoenix blows up the plane and they're all falling, Nightcrawler goes, ah, nine, not another aircraft destroyed. <laughs> but then he says something. Uh, that whole, that whole, exchange there in that panel I thought was kind of weird as they're all discussing who can just fall to the ground and who needs to be saved. Right, right, right. Because it's long. They're all thinking out really long I can fall to the ground because I'm solid metal and I won't break. Right. Wolverine is indestructible. Nightcrawler can teleport. It's just like a bizarrely Let's go through each character and discuss whether yeah. or not they can survive a fall. <laughs> I like how Storm grabs Wolverine by his belt. Like he's in trouble. I, I like to think that she's holding his undies. Cause it's a, <laughs> she's giving him a wedgie. She's giving a super she's wedgie. taking advantage of this chaotic situation to give she's Wolverine like, what's a the matter, Will? We can't fly? Wedgie. Because <laughs> if she did it in everyday life at the school, he'd gut her. Of course. But in this situation, she can get aware of it. Uh, so Nightcrawler, I was I was wondering, um, we haven't really delved into his religious persona yet. Yeah, that's true. And I'm wondering if they originally maybe intended for him to be Jewish, because he says, Oi, flipping vey. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, yeah I wonder. So I don't know. Um, 
What did I see? Where else? Oh, so on page six, Colossus is holding a tree up in the wind, and Phoenix is like, ha ha, and turns him back in human <laughs> I, I form. I thought that was really cool. And falls over backwards with the tree. So uh, I said, yeah, he's going to need Professor X's wheelchair now. Yeah. Um, what else? All of Page these, seven. this whole fight with the rain, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's great. Great really pencil well. and ink work. Uh, man, Burn and Austin, great team. Nailing it. Um, yeah, I thought the fight and the colors looked really cool. I said, man, Dark Phoenix is one crazy bitch. <laughs> uh, actually, I wrote Biatch. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's funnier that way. Yeah. Um. So on page 10... We get something where Shaw plants the seeds of Senator Kelly's anti-mutant agenda. Yeah, there we go. That was pretty cool. Um, Page 11, we get another awesome Phoenix power display. Oh, yeah. Giant Phoenix in the air. And I like how we get kind of, on page 14, that we get little scenes of Pretty much everybody in the Marvel Universe is concerned about what's yeah. going on. Well, I like the idea of, of giving them. I like that they're pushing the idea that this is a massive event. Yes, I do too. The Dark Phoenix. This is not just a thing that happens to the X Men. This is a univ a galactic wide event. Right. So everyone notices in some some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah, you got. Fantastic Four thing comes out because he's got shampoo on his rocks for some reason. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but Fantastic um, Four, that's kind of their... Yeah. That's the kind of gags they do. Right. Um, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, even Silver Surfer out in space. Yep. Um, so Beast shows up to save everybody. Yep, Beast um, shows up. Happy days. Yeah. Um, I like John Burns' angel in his new uniform. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Much better than the 80s tank top and <laughs> yeah, socks. Right. Um, yeah, just the art's really cool in this. Um, I do like, I think we've had this before, but I've never really mentioned it. There's an ad for a projector. Projector. Yeah, and they just assume that everybody in com- that buys comics wants to see some girl showing off her cleavage. Because in the ad for the projector, what's showing on the wall is uh, some right. girl in a zip-up hoodie or something, but it's unzipped <laughs> like halfway. Yeah. Um, get more cool, really cool space art by John Byrne. Yeah, we get some very good galactic scenes. Right. Gene trashes this Shi'ar ship. Yeah. Did you say that? I don't know. If you said no, I don't that. think so. Oh, okay. All right. So on our last page, we learned that Wolverine's a realist. I was kind of disappointed that he opened the beer can without using his claw. Yeah. What's that about? <laughs> I was telling how Colossus has a cup of tea and Storm has a glass of water. Which yeah. I think really, I don't think it really matters, but I think it just kind of accentuates that Wolverine has a beer. Yeah. Yep. But anyway. Yeah, because they, um, yeah, they show the fizz and everything. Right. So Wolverine tells the team not to get their hopes up. And Storm's like, giving up, Wolverine? I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Wolverine says, I may be stubborn, Roro, but I ain't stupid. I'm a realist. And realistically, 
genie trashed us without even raising a sweat. Is that a Canadian way of saying breaking a sweat? I guess so. Okay. Um, you think a rematch will end any differently? And then Beast calls uh, Wolverine short stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, um... Good old psychic rapport. Rapport, rapport. rapport. I, like how, I like the classic like sitcom scene where Scott panics and we have everybody behind him. Yeah. And she's hungry. She's hungry. Hungry, hungry. Like her hungry hippos? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Oh, I did, I did think it was really cool in the letters page. There's an ad for a subscription to X-Men. And Wolverine is the face for the ad. Nice. That, that was really cool. I think we're kind of seeing like his just growth and popularity. popularity growing, yeah. yeah. That, that was really cool. That is cool. Um, so I thought the issue was a little silly. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite way no. to start this saga. Um, the whole fight scene is pretty awesome. Yeah, but Gene's just so melodramatically bad. Like, not bad, like, bad written. No, maybe a little bit. But right. just bad, like, bad attitude. <laughs> well, she's evil. She's evil, yeah. Dark Phoenix. She's Dark Phoenix. I thought that the, the destruction of that planet is is too quick. I mean, I guess the point of it is to show how quickly she devours this whole universe. Right. But at the same time, it's like, since we're about to have three issues about it, about that, the out, the uh, fallout from that, it seems like there should have been a little more to it. Right. So what I, is, and here's where I kind of get lost in all this Phoenix Force stuff. So the Phoenix Force, this infinite power, for reasons that have never really made sense to me at all, yeah. takes a human host, in this case a mutant, and they usually look for a really powerful being, and they take Jean Grey. Which, why? Why limit yourself? But I don't know. I, and it's also not... But, but if the Phoenix just wants to eat worlds and start things over, then it makes even less sense to have a host. And And second of all... I don't really get, like, when they destroy the planet, what is it feeding on? Like, is Jean, with the Phoenix Force in her body, like, draining all the life energy, like, from the, the people dying, or... No, she eats the sun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She and does they eat just the all sun. basically freeze to death. I mean, what does she, like... I don't understand. Does she if... take solar power, like, into her corporeal form? That's what it sounds like to me. She absorbs that. I don't like that. (laughs) It's not. It doesn't that make that much sense? And also the idea that she is infinite power, life incarnate. Why does she need to eat a sun? Right. Because her power is infinite. Because she wants to. But but that part I'm I'm actually okay with. Because the phoenix wants to destroy so it can create new life. Like, it's right. kind of the ebb and flow of creation, destruction, yeah. rebirth, all all that Phoenix-type stuff. So that part I'm kind of okay with. So maybe it's not... I guess if they just said, hey, I want to destroy this planet and make a new one, 
That to me would make more sense than I'm feeding off of this, yeah. or I'm eating. Of, I guess, but I guess that goes back because that just makes me think of Galactus. Like he does actually like eat a, a populated planet and takes the energy and all that right. stuff. Whereas this Phoenix just is blowing shit up, which is fine. But, but she's not blowing anything up. She's absorbing the power of the sun. Right? I mean, is that what's happening? I don't know. Because I thought that was the idea. Yeah, she, okay. She consumes because, that because power Jean is losing Phoenix power. Yeah, because she's using it up. Now, that doesn't make sense in the fact that it suggests that it's infinite power. Yeah, but then at the same time, they set up mind checks to keep it from taking over Jean in the first place. So yeah. the whole, I don't know, the whole Phoenix thing... It's clearly I, limited in some way, even I, though they keep saying it's inf- right. infinite. I know it's big time X-Men lore, and there's cool stories around it. The Phoenix Force itself, I've always had a little bit of a hard time with. It's a little bit too metaphysical, sci-fi, uh, just take our word for it kind well, of writing. it's just too powerful. It, the, the idea that if she really does have the power to absorb a sun... Right. It doesn't make sense that she can be brought down by anybody. By any, yeah, anybody or anything. Right. Oh. All right. Well, um, that said, what do you want to grade Uncanny X Men 135? I'm still going to give it a five. Okay. Because I I really like the fight scene. Okay. So I'm going to stick with five, even though, you know. It's five. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 135 four out of six claws. Not my favorite chapter of the saga. Though I agree the fighting was awesome, but the rest of the issue, I'm not sure about. Okay. so You add that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Muppet sounds are always appreciated. Me, 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 me. All right, but now I'm starting the timer on Uncanny X-Men 136. Go! Okay, so, um, Child of Light and Darkness, the final phase of the Phoenix we get. Yes, so other than Glynis Wine coming back, we're on the same team. Back on the same team. Yep. Terry Austin's still not part of the first trio. Yep. Uh, Cover, great cover. It is really cool. I I wish it wasn't pink in the background. I feel like the pink... 80s. It is the 80s. I feel like it would have been better as a, I want to say as a blue, but then it would, you know, Cyclops' outfit's blue. I don't know. Yeah. Uniform's blue. So, but yeah, this is a good cover. To me, see, to me, this cover blows the water out of the last cover. I agree. Cyclops holding the collapsed Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, with the Professor X and the parents in the back. It's, it's a good, that's a great cover. I like how Wolverine's got one hand on his face and the other one making like the hardest fist you've ever seen. Yeah. The sorrow and the pain. Yeah. He's going to deal with it. So, first panel, we have a pretty cool... Oh, wait, wait. Let's, let's talk about the... Don't miss this special issue containing more shocks and surprises than ever before. And I want to point out, kind of carrying ever over before. from last issue, the X-Men logo is still crap. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's right. pretty cool. All right, cool. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So, we open with Phoenix basically absorbing the sun once again. With a pretty cool image of the phoenix itself holding the sun, and then Gene kind of like shadowing it. Yeah, I thought shadowing that was, yeah, I thought that was of, really cool. That's a pretty cool image. So 
<clears throat> in this case, though, we go to the Shi'ar Empire, which I'm not a huge fan of. I've stated many times. Yeah, in this I want to say I liked them more reading these old issues than I remembered. Yeah, I would agree with that too. It's not as ridiculous as I, I always as I kind of think of it. Um, so the idea here is that when Phoenix absorbed that sun, the sun is gone. Right. And then you have this inhabited planet that then everyone dies. Right. So Phoenix has essentially killed billions of people. Yes. Or animal, or whatever, aliens, creatures. Beings. Beings. We'll yeah. say. They say people, but at some point in here. But yeah, billions of beings she has destroyed. So the Shi'ar Empire determines they have to stop her because they're the protector of the galaxy. So they've got to stop her. So they basically... The phoenix must be destroyed. Set out to do that. Now, cut to Earth. Uh, we're back in the White House, and Jimmy Carter <laughs> is talking to... Um, Jarvis. Who is this guy? Jarvis. Oh, Jarvis, that's right. Butler's. Yeah, I'm because sorry. Beast... Jarvis. So we find out that Beast has abandoned his post. <laughs> right. So the butler has to answer to the president. So Jarvis hears the signal... Misses the president, Jimmy Carter says, basically tells them they need to be ready to fight or he can't find the, the Avengers, uh, which I thought was funny on the part of Beast. It, I understand why he just left. I understand why he erased. But why wouldn't he tell anybody in the Avengers, hey, I'm going somewhere? Right. I thought that was He was already strange. worried about getting fired. Unless he didn't have enough vacation days left. So he didn't want to tell them. I don't know. <laughs> he used so, all his sick day that time yeah, he got heartworm that's right so anyway Jarvis basically tells him he's gonna talk to the boss well, right man, right of course because remember that Dr. Corbeau saw the phoenix heading back towards earth that's why the president is all worried. yeah yeah Dr. yeah Dr. Corbeau so um anyway we get to an odd danger room scene for some reason yeah. So, well, let's go train in the danger room. While well, don't no, skip the part where Beast tries to invent a mind scrambler. He's going to try to stop the Phoenix from accessing Gene's powers. Yeah. Um, and Scott is barely holding it together at the prospect of fighting Gene. Yeah, he's he's losing it a little bit. All right. All right. So back to the danger room. Okay. So we're in the danger room. I kind of look at that as the X-Men just taking out their frustration. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know what to do. So they're just go fight for a little bit, figure something out. Right. Um, we go to Dark Phoenix lands at her home, her actual home. And Jean's Jean home. Jean Grey's yeah. home. Yeah. Um, where her father comes out and her mother and I guess her sister maybe. Yes. Yeah, her sister. And then it gets kind of ugly. The yeah. family reunion gets a little ugly. Yeah. Her father's little jerky to her or the mother one of them is anyway um, so the father's a little bit of a jerk Jean's a lot more sensitive now that she's Dark Phoenix uh, takes it kind of hard right and then turns a plant into crystal for some random reason that's pretty it is pretty uh, and then her dad gets it really starts getting ugly with the dad and the sister and everybody so then she right. Well, flies out of the house. They're scared of what Jean has turned into. Yeah, they're fearful, which is understandable, but it still gets ugly. 
So she jumps out. Nightcrawler shows up and puts a headband on her that's supposed to inhibit her powers. Yeah. It works briefly, basically. <laughs> Wolverine tries to kill Jean Grey when she's got this little helmet on. Right. And we get a snicked. He's, he's on top of her. But she sheds a tear and he hesitates. That's right. She should, I had written something down in my notes I was trying to read. So Jean cries and says, please do it now while I'm weak. And Wolverine can't. So Jean rips the headband off after she shoots Wolverine. And then she freezes all the X-Men. Scott tries to bring... Oh, yeah, yeah. So Scott's trying to bring Jean out of... He's trying to draw her out of the Dark Phoenix somehow. Right. But the Dark Phoenix is too powerful. So, yeah, strips the headband off. Puts all the X-Men into the little yellow freeze rays. Then starts talking to them. Yeah. Um, basically, Phoenix wins within this context. Yeah. So Cyclops tried to convince Jean that the reason she hasn't killed them yet is because deep down she's still an X-Men. Yeah. And she says, you're not worth killing, basically. <laughs> Scott says that they, she loves them. She says Dark Phoenix doesn't know love. It gets a little uh, yes, no, yes, no. And yeah, then, I uh, do like the back and forth on John Byrne's facial expressions. It makes yeah. her look very schizo. Yeah, it does. But it's cool. But then uh, Professor X shows up, and it's <laughs> right? ugly once again. Yeah, he mind blasts her. He mind blasts her. Basically, tell Scott your plan sucks. Yeah. And it doesn't work, so Dark Phoenix gets real mad and, and starts to blow up Professor X. Right. So then we have some brain fighting going on here. Yes, an epic side battle. And in this case, they he wins, and he puts up those blocks around her brain. Professor X put blocks around, puts blocks around her brain so that she can take... She can limit the Phoenix again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she can. Or I was going with that. Yeah, so she can live with the right. Phoenix again. So Scott, um, ever the master of romance, proposes, proposes at this point telepathically. Yeah, this, is, this is the yeah. This is the proposal <laughs> I mentioned earlier. Telepathic proposal, yes. right? Just as, what every girl wants. Exactly. Right after she just killed billions of people. Yeah. And is now being mind blocked by Professor X. Yeah. So Jean Grey's dad comes out and tries to scold Professor X. Yes, he wants an explanation, but the X-Men just disappear. They're just like, never mind. And then we have a final panel with uh, Jean Grey's dad and sister basically saying they may never see Jean again. They might not. They might not. Next issue is the fate of the Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, What else else was I going to say? I don't know. So we already talked about how awesome the first splash page was. Yep, so very I awesome. I won't repeat that. Uh, we already talked about how Claremont had fun with Jimmy Carter's accent again. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say that a burn is usually really good with facial expressions, 
But upset Colossus just looks really silly and goofy. Yeah, he does. I wrote that a metal Colossus can't frown. <laughs> I have I have no emotions when I'm in my metal form. Um, but to contrast, on page ten. His facial expressions with Jean are really good. Even though on the last panel of page 11, she kind of looks like a vampire. She does look like a vampire on that one. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, before that, the other face, facial expressions are really good. I don't know why I mentioned this, but on page 13... <laughs> another crap. On page 13, I wondered why the toy bat with the blood inside was called Gregory. Yeah, Gregory. Oh, because blood is gory. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird toy. (laughs) Did you have one of these? A Gregory? Yeah. Or or something like this that like had an X-ray and you saw. I don't think so. No, I I remember something similar to this. I had one of those Visible Man ones that was like a model. Yeah, no, I remember that. No, this was like this was something like this that it was a regular toy, just had a little X-ray window. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, maybe someone else must have had it. Maybe so. I'm sure someone had it. Yeah. I thought uh, page fourteen and fifteen was a damn good fight. Yeah. Uh, or very well drawn, I guess is what I said. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like Wolverine. I like that Wolverine hesitates. Yeah, but I also liked that before Gene kind of showed him a flash of Gene, that he was willing to make the hard choice. And then yeah. he was, and he even said, he said, forgive me, darling. Like, like he really doesn't want to do this, but he's willing to. Yeah. Until she cries and asks to be killed, and then he hesitates. Yeah. So I like kind of that that back and forth with Wolverine. Yeah, he's still he's still touched at that last moment, right. but he's doing what he can. And then they all disappear at the end. Yeah. I said on page 23, I know that Professor X's real mutant power is guilt, (laughs) but blaming the Phoenix on helping Jean develop her telepathy is a stretch. Yeah, that was that was a little uh, a little too. Oh, look how sad I am. Right. Somehow I'm important in all this. Right. I've done all of this. This is all my fault, my doing. Right. I am the center of the universe. He's Center a, of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the side battle looked really cool. Even though it's in the pink that you hate, I thought it looked awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, I like I how Professor awesome X too. is crying. I don't I don't I like the pink there. It was just the yeah. front cover. Although I kinda think it should be like an orange or a red, but yeah. seventy. And they, they their reds are always washed out in these old comics, so Right. So, I decided that on page 30, uh, Scott only got up the courage to propose or uh, decided it was worth the commitment because he finally saw Gene naked. (laughs) I'll accept that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll allow it. (laughs) So, I thought, contrary to the kind of our speed buff in the last issue, I thought this issue was great. Yeah, I agree. I liked it a whole, whole lot. 
Me uh, as from well. the art, the writing, everything, the cover. Yeah, I just I liked it a lot. Um, what else? What else? Yeah, John Burns' Shiar is not bad. I like. So the Shiar, I guess, are. They have this empire, but I guess they're pretty nice to all their subjects because this council was made up of all kinds of different beings. Well, it's more like a. A, like an alliance or a protectorate yeah. than an empire because it's not but she's the empress she's the empress but it's not a empire of conquered peoples yeah I guess not the, because some it, of that gets retconned I think later. yeah but you see you never there's not much about them conquering people or controlling people I mean I guess they have enemies and stuff but it's right the, I think the idea is that there's a, a all galactic empire that's what what they are. So within that, you have like the scrolls and the and the um, with the Captain so Marvel. So this is if called? the old Republic from Star Wars had worked. Yes. Okay. And then there and, then, and there's an empire, an emperor right. instead of a prime okay. minister, or chancellor, chancellor yeah. or whatever. All right. So Uncanny X Men one thirty six. What are you going to grade it? Um, I think I think five. Okay. Again. All right. I'm going to give it six out of six claws. I'm really digging this part of the story. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go for six, too. Okay. You don't have to. No, I... I, I Peer pressure. Peer pressure. pressure. I was toying back and forth between the two. Okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with six as well. Okay. Well, let's start the timer. This one might be a little hard. We have a double-sized... Double-sized X-Men. Uncanny X-Men. Uncanny X-Men 137 starting... An absolute classic. Right now. Though I can't help but notice it's just double-sized X-Men. Yeah, that's true. No uncanny on the cover. Interesting. All right. So this is The Fate of the Phoenix with our regular team... And a cover by John Byrne and Terry Austin. This also a better cover than one thirty five. This oh, this is the amazing cover, I think. Yes. This, this would go in my top top is, ten, maybe. Yeah, it's truly iconic. We have a tattered Cyclops and then Jean in her Marvel Girl uniform. Yep. Uh Making which, a last stand on yeah. the moon. On the moon, and we have the little Earth in the background. And I like how both their powers are coming out from, well, I guess Jean's from behind her and Cyclops from his visor. But, yeah, I like this cover a whole, whole lot. Yeah, awesome. it's a great cover. All right, <clears throat> here we go. So the X-Men are, remember they disappeared at the end of the last issue. Right. So they couldn't answer uh, Mr. Gray's demand. <laughs> so they're teleported onto a Shi'ar ship where Gladiator explains how Dark Phoenix killed an entire solar system. And Lilandra demands that the X-Men turn her over. Cyclops protest that Dark Phoenix is gone. Professor X has healed her and it's just Jean now. Lilandra says, maybe so. The Dark Phoenix could return and break the bonds that Professor X did just like she did before. Right. So Professor X somehow demands a duel of honor, which the Shi'ar cannot say no to. 
Beast goes a step further and demands a trial instead, but Lelandra ignores that and says the duel will be tomorrow. We get some individual X-Men vignettes. Um, Jean is conflicted, but ultimately feels guilty for her actions as Dark Phoenix. All right. Nightcrawler wonders if fighting for Jean, fighting for Jean is the right thing to do, and compares what Dark Phoenix did to the Holocaust, which again makes me want. I mean, the comparison makes sense. Yeah. But again, makes me wonder if they were moving towards making Nightcrawler. Yeah. Jewish. Well, within the context of like you said last time, and yeah, uh, it does make you wonder. Yeah. Uh, Angel has some of the same doubts, but his conflict pains him more so because he has such a long-standing relationship with Jean. Yeah. Um, Wolverine isn't afraid to die. He doesn't know if what Professor X did will work, but still he will support Jean. Yeah. Beast gives a long expose on the purpose of law in the universe. While taking a bath. Yeah. Was it a bubble bath? It should have been. It looks it like wasn't. a bubble bath. Okay, good. So he also sings the Rubber Ducky song. Rubber Ducky, you're <laughs> yeah. the one. All right. Uh, Colossus says that when they fought Dark Phoenix, that in and of itself was still fighting for Gene, even while they were fighting Gene, and he will continue to fight for her. Storm loves Gene like a sister, but she abhors the Dark Phoenix. Which makes you think she's going to say that they shouldn't fight for. Right. But then she makes a complete turnaround and says she will stand by Jean no matter what. Then Cyclops says, what if if Lilandra is right? As a leader, he wonders, would he make the same choice if the roles were reversed? Jean comes in as Marvel Girl. She says, this is how I started. If need be, it's how I will finish. She wonders if she's worth it, all this trouble. Scott says she's not evil and proves it by kissing her. Because if you were evil, this kiss would not work. (laughs) I would not be able to kiss you. (laughs) Right. So, Cyclops, in the morning we have our pre-duel meeting. Uh, Cyclops tells the X-Men that he's going to fight in the duel, but he will understand if the other X-Men want out. But, of course, they don't. They want to fight for Jean. So they're sent to the blue area of the moon, which is a bubble of Earth-like environment. The Imperial Guard land after them. Uh, The X-Men are outnumbered, so they decide the best plan is to split up in hopes of ambushing the Imperial Guard. Doesn't really work. We have a battle royale with the Shi'ar, with the X-Men losing. There's a random scroll... In the Shi'ar Royal Guard. He's not in the Royal Guard. Oh, he was disguised. Okay, that's right. No, no, no. They sent. They they say that the um, they were representatives. Them and the the Kree. That's the other one I was trying to think of earlier. They each sent their own representatives to be part of this. Right. Okay. I don't know why no other people groups do, but I guess they're the biggest. Anyway, Storm meets Wolverine. But he senses it isn't really her and almost kills the scroll, but the Kree that you mentioned interferes. Professor X is painfully observing, and Lilandra wants to reach out to him, but as the Empress being her first duty, she can't. She cannot. 
So we're down to two X-Men, Cyclops and Marvel Girl, hide and have a moment, but come out to fight and are quickly overtaken. Cyclops is uh, Cyclops is struck down again, causing Jean to overload the psychic breakers and turn her into Phoenix. Just regular Phoenix right now. Right. Professor X realizes this and tells the X-Men they have to defeat her before she turns into Dark Phoenix. Cyclops tries. Wolverine says he hesitated last time because he used to love her. So he uh, uses the lesser gravity to do a reversed fastball special. He will throw Colossus in hopes that he will not hesitate. But he does. He pulls his punch. And Jean explains that no matter what the professor does in her mind, that she and the Phoenix are permanently connected. Ever since the thing in outer space happened where she should have been evaporated by the solar flares, that the Phoenix Force kept her alive, but in return, by giving her life, it grows stronger in power and focus, and she begs the X-Men to kill her. Cyclops refuses, so Jean runs off, turning into Dark Phoenix. And she marvels that the uh, transformation is faster this time. Yeah. Cyclops follows, but Dark Phoenix freezes him in place. And the Jean part says that the Dark Phoenix killed a whole world without a thought. She can't risk losing control again. She tells Cyclops she loves him and then blasts herself with a space cannon. Whew! All right. So that's some double-sized action there. A lot um, to this one. Yeah. It's a lot um, of good stuff. thought the double-page spread was pretty sweet and the Very X-Men good. being surprised. A couple of things I'll throw out real quick. Yeah. One, the, the mental block thing is interesting because the idea is that those mental blocks, which she breaks through, which she had broken through when they did the headband thing. Every time there's trauma, yeah. Right. That they're risking the lives of billions. Yes. Right? A billion creatures, over billions of creatures died in this. Right. So the idea is that if she, even for an hour, something happens and she bypasses these these mental blocks, the idea is she could theoretically eat up our son and kill everybody. But Professor X or anybody believes else. in his blocks will work this time. Well... But he's taking a big... I mean, you're, the idea I is agree. they're it's, risking It's selfish and idiotic. It is. And then the duel also... I actually kind of agree with the uh, Shi'ar. What? The, oh, that she needs to die. Yeah. yeah I mean, or at least be like in prison or held accountable something has, or something. Yeah. Well, and if it's infinite power, I mean... Yeah, she almost has to be put to death. It's pretty much just going to have to die or something. Um, so then the duel is also stupid with the idea that, okay, we're going to fight a duel conceivably that means for honor they would respect if Jean won the duel which would then allow her to go eat a bunch more solar systems right so again billions and billions of people of, of lives put at risk yeah I thought that was weird and I, although it doesn't take away from the story because I get it and it it works within the context of what they're doing yeah I mean but if you think about it outside of that it's right. There's a lot of ethical responsibilities that I yeah, think are Yeah, which I really think they being... try to show in all these vignettes with all the X-Men like wrestling with it. But right. all of them come out in the conclusion that protecting Gene is worth all the risk. And 
I understand Cyclops because love is blindness, right? Right. And I guess this is maybe this kind of goes back to the fact or the idea in kind of these old X-Men that everybody loves Gene uncategorically for reasons that aren't really ever shown or explained. Yeah. Like why she's such this lovable character that people are willing to risk everything for. But I mean, but that kind of goes back to the beginning and this kind of moves forward into the future that, that Gene is somehow just this idyllic person that, that nobody, like everybody, every girl wants to be her friend. Every guy wants to date her. Right. And I've, I've never really completely understood why she... I, so go to Spider-Man. Same thing with Mary Jane. But they write Mary Jane in a way that that makes sense. Yeah. Okay? I never really get that feeling from Jean, especially not back here in the 70s. Yeah, her person... Even though they've done a lot more with her, again, like we said, in the yeah. 60s... No, it's definitely a progression better. of character. It's good never, to see... But it doesn't necessarily make her likable. You to never me. get a lot of real personality from her. No. Which maybe, maybe you're not supposed to, because the idea, and that's part of what she struggles with, being attached to Scott, being part of Professor X, that she really doesn't have her own identity. And I case, mean, she has an identity, <clears throat> but not her own personality. Yeah. In a way that, like, Storm has a defined... Yeah, see, I... She's a real character To me, Storm and, is so much cooler than Jean Grey. Oh, at yeah. this point, especially. I think in the 90s, you can argue that point. But I don't... I, so I guess I'll throw this out there then, and I'll try to remember to, to, to bring this up in the conclusion. But for all you ardent 70s Jean lovers, I want to know why. Yeah. I mean, really, like, what, what makes her, like, the coolest female X-Men ever, based just on where we are in continuity so far? Because I don't really know that I get it, necessarily. I, I don't. I mean, looking back, and even so, up to the present, I still don't think she's the best. No, I don't either, but I, I definitely think she makes a lot of growth. She's a lot better, yeah, yeah. She's definitely better than now. But yeah, in the 70s, and, and so it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing that, like you said, in in the face of the possibility of even if you take away the idea of punishing her for destroying the previous ones, the fact that she could do that again right. and probably would do that again and has no control over whether or not she does it again. Yeah, and it's not like Professor X has this great track record of everything he does working. Right. <laughs> yeah, and if it's dependent on him, what if he dies? Right. Then yeah. billions of people. You know, yeah. it's... It's pretty it's pretty ridiculous if you think about it. So I do like on page eleven, uh, though in future issues his cow is more collapsible, I think Wolverine's cow on the nightstand in the dark room looks really cool and really ominous. Like I, I don't know, something about it's very Batman esque. Yeah. But I really, really like it. I like how Wolverine in his contemplative nature, like this fits that he's just kind of meditating in a dark room. Right. And that's, I don't know, something that just, that whole thing just really fits Wolverine to me. I'm pretty sure Beast is about to have some alien sex, like in that Katy Perry song. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that Colossus changed into his metal form and still has his undies on. Yeah. I yeah, thought yeah. that was really funny. So you got I more guess, sexy storm. Yeah, more sexy John storm. John Byer never passes up a chance to, to draw a sexy storm. No. Uh, I gotta say, um, the fight scenes again, very awesome. Very awesome, and I and I like just uh, to go with it. I really like that they put her back in the 
old costume. The Marvel Girl costume. I thought that was a really inter- really neat touch. I I thought yes, considering where this like it, it made sense story wise. Right. I don't prefer that costume. No, it's not the best looking one, but I think. But the, yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. The imagery within this context, I think it was a good. Yeah, you know, she's really trying to go back to. Well, and it's her. I I think she knew what she was going to do if it came down to it the whole time. Yeah, I agree. I think if she felt any inkling of of the Phoenix coming back, that she was already prepared to end. End it the way she ended it. I agree. And I think this really was her way of saying this come full circle. Like, I want, if I'm going to go down, I want to go down. In a blaze of glory. Well, no, no, <laughs> more, I want to be remembered more as Marvel Girl than as Phoenix. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So That makes sense. I like um, just an, an update on the Nightcrawler saga we've been following he uses the phrase almost invisible again yes he does in the shadow so we're still in the middle point where he's almost invisible in the shadows i'm pretty sure we've heard this already but i'm going to ask anyway fastball special they've used that term oh yeah by this point yeah Yeah, it's pretty pretty popular i thought so and i I was just trying to remember no i like the reverse and that was a cool idea yeah and and the reasoning behind it the wolverine's like i've already blown it Right. Uh, I let my emotions get in the way. I'm afraid I'll do it again. So let me see if Colossus can do better. I'll, and since we're on the moon and it's wider gravity, I can throw him yeah, this time. Yeah, it makes sense. It's yeah. perfect. Although it's Colossus cool. is such a, He's a, such a sweetheart. Too, yeah, it's like, why, yeah. Why in the world would Wolverine <laughs> hesitate and Colossus not? Right. That exactly. seemed a little bit of a far yeah. stretch. but um, I like kind of the vertigo looking... Uh, powers of uh, what was her name? Oracle versus Angel. I thought that was really yeah. cool. I thought the Watcher's home palace was kind of pointless and dumb, and they could have maybe found another way to disorient Wolverine because that's really kind of all it served. Yeah, was to make Wolverine confused when he came out. Yeah, that was a weird, a weird interlude. Yeah, and that comes into play so that he hesitates on Scroll Storm. He's like. Well, normally I trust my senses, but I just went through all this weird psychedelic <laughs> stuff. Maybe I can't trust them anymore. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and <laughs> I'm assuming that the scroll turns into this monster and kills the Kree warrior. <laughs> I was I was a little bit disappointed that there's no follow-up on that. Yeah, what happens? Yeah, like, does it start an intergalactic war? I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they hate each other, so maybe you just right. become chalked up to more... Animosity between the two. Yeah, I like the color work and the power of uh, this lady blasting Nightcrawler. I agree. Thought it looked really cool. I thought she looks an awful lot like the the uh, Hellfire Club bad guys, though. A little bit, kind of mixed with the little V from Vendetta, maybe. Yeah, that's definitely you can tell that's definitely probably an old Cochrane design because it looks very DC. I thought. Yeah, I agree with you. The Colossus Gladiator fight's pretty awesome, that and it awesome. literally brings the house down. I know and I, that that where he cracks that column over Gladiator's head, and he's just standing awesome. there. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But I like how he holds his own with Gladiator. He's yeah. like the supreme galactic fighter. I feel like he should. He's Colossus. Yeah, I agree. I think Colossus it should be like a mega powerhouse. As always, on page 42, I love John Burns' Phoenix Power. Can't get enough of that. Yeah. Um, I thought 
the Cyclops explanation was a little, we didn't really need it. And yeah. it's a little overthought and it's kind of dumb. Because basically he says, after Phoenix uh, shoots herself with the space cannon, Cyclops is like, you planned this, didn't you? From the moment we landed on the moon, you shielded your intentions from our rapport. But just the same, I should have guessed, I should have realized that you cannot become Dark Phoenix and remain true to yourself, the Jean Grey I knew and fell in love with. So you took steps to ensure that if Lelandra couldn't stop you, you do the job yourself. You must have picked the minds of the Kree and Scroll Observers, learned what ancient weapons were hidden here. Then you used your fight with the X-Men to drain you of enough energy to make you vulnerable. And finally, when you were ready, you, you, oh, Gene, Gene. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I feel like it's more emotionally impactful and more powerful if she just kills herself without giving all these reasons of how and why she did it. Right. Well, and why does she need a long plot? Why can't she right. just in the moment decide, hey, I'm losing control. Right. Let's end it. I like, yeah. I like the idea that she was prepared to, but in the end, it's just impulse. Right. I Which agree. Maybe, maybe that's contradictory. I don't feel like it is necessarily, but I guess you could argue that, that, that I want it both ways. Maybe. But one thing about you is you always wanted it both ways. <laughs> but I guess I mean it's Claremont, typical Claremont over explaining. Yeah. And he just wanted to make sure we knew that Gene controlled that weapon and didn't just pop up and shoot her. Like Gene did it. Gene killed herself. Like it's very important to know that. And it is important to know that. Yeah. It's an important I point. kind of inferred it. But I guess I don't know, it's not in that era, they always over-explained most everything, yeah. so I think it's just I guess it's not. I mean, I guess it could have been just a gun that the Empire controlled, and they knew they were, like, maybe they had cameras or whatever, and knew yeah. Scott and Gene were there, so they controlled the gun. But I don't know. But she does yell out, Scott, so that kind of makes it seem like she didn't know she was getting shot. But yeah. I, I kind of always took that as that's just the part of Gene... Yeah, like, it's in there. Like, even though she was resolved to do this, when she's actually dying, she's like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to really miss you. Yeah, I um, agree. I also thought that the Watcher at the end was really silly, but that the last line was pretty great, where he says, Jean Grey could have lived to become a god, but it was more important to her that she die a human. <laughs> yeah, that was a good It's kind of silly, but I think it's, I don't know, something about it really was cool to me. Yeah, well, and just the idea that, that Jean, I mean, because the reality with the power of the Phoenix, she could have just said, hey, I'm the Phoenix. Right. I'm going to eat some suns and nothing you can do about it. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the Phoenix, and if we run out, we'll talk about this at the end. Um, oh, we did run out. <laughs> oh, your timer didn't go off. It didn't. All right, so we'll talk about this at the end. Help, help me remember, though. Because does killing herself really do anything to the Phoenix? And should it really do anything to the Phoenix? Yeah. Or does it just kill her? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. All right, so anyway, what do you want to grade on Kenny X-Men 137? Six. Yeah, me too. Six out of six claws. I love good, this issue. too important to yeah. everything. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to Uncanny X-Men 138, kind of the epilogue. Right. Starting right now. So this is a quick one because it's 
essentially a recap. Yeah. So 138, Exit Cyclops is the name. It's actually called Eulogy. Oh, yeah. I think keep forgetting they have the two titles, one on well, the cover, one in the comic right. sometimes. Uh, again, no uncanny on the X-Men title. Yeah, it's on the first page yes. like it was before, but not on the main title. So um, same crew as always, as before. Yep. And it starts out with at the funeral. Well, let's talk about the cover real fast. Oh, cover, sorry. I think that, so. We have a John Byrne, Terry Austin cover again. John Byrne, yeah. And it's, it's basically Cyclops walking away with a duffel bag, and yep. again, like you said, exit Cyclops. All the X Men in the background looking sad. Yes, which Wolverine short. Yeah, I didn't realize Colossus was nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a pretty tall right there yeah it seems a little unreal is that Iceman? but wolverine is only slightly taller than professor x who's sitting down in a wheelchair right so i think wolverine is just too small yeah so maybe yeah i don't know yeah that does look like Iceman in the back anyway in the background we have a nice hot pink collage of x-men covers yeah yeah it's <coughs> i like this cover a lot i think it's pretty cool i do too i like it i i i would have liked it if the the background was a little bit more defined so you could see a little bit better. Right. The covers. Because the first couple times I looked at it, I didn't even notice that that's what it was. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's nitpicking a little, I guess. So, but it's a good cover overall. All right. So we open up on Jean Grey's funeral, 1956 to 1980. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and throw those solid dates out there. That is 33, 34, right? 34, yeah. 34 I, I think we old. intentionally avoided the uh, Christ age. No, 24. Oh, yeah. 24 years old. Yeah, that makes more sense, actually. Yeah. That does make more sense. <clears throat> so then really pretty much the rest of the comic, except for the very end, is a giant recap of the entire X Men series through the it's basically the history the of, of Scott Summers. Yeah, the history of the X Men by Scott Summers. Yeah, so it starts off with him and uh, Beast and, and and Bobby training Iceman Bobby training. I think we can just leave it at that. Their first yeah first attempt at Mag. I was just going to run through some of the names. Uh, okay. So Magneto, uh, we get. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, a bunch <laughs> yeah. of different people. Savage Land, Juggernaut. It is cool to see some of the stuff from pre-John Byrne. Yeah, it was kind of a cool... Byrne. It was kind of a cool summary. It's a pretty... If you had not read X-Men up to this point, or maybe you just started with Giant Size or whatever, yeah. it's a pretty good flashback for what it is, but it, yeah, that is what detailed. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's very detailed, but yeah, it is definitely just a giant recap. So we go through the old uniforms. We see all these different things. Now, towards the end, after we get through all that stuff, we do get to a point where we have a few new developments. Yeah. Basically, the last two pages. Yeah, the last two pages. Open those up real quick. Um, Gene is... Basically comes out of the ground. 
Huh? What? Oh, no, no, I was no, looking that's the wrong from panel. The, that's from Central Park. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I was looking at the wrong panel. Um, so, back to the funeral. Basically, everyone is still sad. And they're, they're, you know, they're all brooding. They're all trying to blame themselves. It's kind of classic Professor X and Scott. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. Um, and then at the very end, we have Kitty Pride. Yeah. Shows up at the X Mansion. Nobody's there. Nobody's there because they're all at the funeral. Right. So she's got to wait on the stoop <laughs> and uh, see what happens after that. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. All right. Big summary. Uh, yeah. So Lelandra gives Jean's parents some kind of magic snow globe that's called a hollow empathetic matrix crystal. I'll just let that sink in. I, I won't <laughs> yeah. even make any comments on it. Um, Although it looks like a button. So you did, you did kind of skip over the, the part from the cover. Uh, Scott tells Professor X he's leaving the X-Men to figure things out. Oh, yeah. I, I he's think not sure if and when he'll return. And Professor X says, well, I'm proud of you, but I'll miss you. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, I I feel like really since Giant Size, it was a countdown till when Scott left. When all the rest of the team left. yeah. I felt like there was there's well, a, there was a running thread through all of those comics. I feel like I'm talking really loud for some reason. No, you're good. <laughs> there was a your readings are good on the computer. All right, uh, there was a running thread that you just and, and maybe this is me knowing. Well, I was wondering back. that because I would agree with you until Gene came back. True. Once Gene comes back, then it becomes a little less. But I think even then. Again, maybe it's me looking back from what I know in the future, but the, the idea that they the would future eventually Conan? <laughs> that they would the eventually leave. <laughs> I was trying to think of something funny to say, but I didn't think of anything. Uh, my um, favorite one was the one with Mr. T. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anything with Mr. T is a, is a good thing. Yeah, even the Kirk Cameron movies. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. You you were trying to make a point. It's completely lost. Okay. You blew it. Sorry. Let's oh, oh, oh. I was just going to say that even even then when Gene... I, I guess I felt like from the beginning there was always a point where Scott would leave. Less likely when Gene comes back, but then still the idea that they might leave. That yeah. they might, in order to save the relationship, because it's always a relationship problem. Right. Do I love her? Do I care? Why don't I care that she's dead? Now let's get married. It's, it's put all over right. the place. So the idea that they would go away to find, you know, support with the old X-Men or start a new team, which yeah. ultimately Scott does. And um, Anyway, that's, that's not really important. But I... So this is the culmination of that, right? So we kind of right. always well, it figured, definitely makes sense losing your lover. Yeah, on the moon, <laughs> that you're <laughs> yeah. probably gonna want to need to take a break. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So. So going back to page one, I guess uh, Nightcrawler decided to go ahead and uh, go back to the image inducer for this one. Yeah. <laughs> so at the funeral, he should probably uh, out of the funeral, I guess. Yeah. Um. And I was glad that Iceman was there. Thought that was cool. Yeah, I did too. Um, I don't like at all that Lelandra came to the funeral. 
thought she had a lot of nerve considering it's her. Yeah. She's the one that wanted to kill Phoenix or kill Jean. And she's like, oh, well, I'll go ahead and come to the funeral. But she knew Jean from before. I mean, yeah, I guess Claremont, that's his way of saying, I had to stop the Phoenix, but I honor what Jean was before. Yeah. But still, though, if I was her parents, I mean, like, get the... True. Out of here. Like, I'm sure they didn't tell her parents. How dare oh, you? Introduce, this is Alindra. She's the one that killed your daughter. <laughs> Or I wanted to kill your daughter. Yeah, maybe not. So did they not tell her how she died? I don't know. I mean, because they know, like, kind of the situation, because they were, it was her apartment where the guy, Fire Lord, busted up at their place. When, yeah. So they kind of know about the Shi'ar a little bit. I mean. But they may not. So what? I wonder what they, I wonder what Professor X did but tell if, In this scenario, say you're Professor X. Yeah. You're, one of your students is lost. The parents are grieving. Yeah. Do you tell them that their daughter murdered billions of people before? Probably not. Probably not. So, so but then, how do you, what do you tell them? They, oh, she died on a mission. I can't tell you what. Yeah, or the, oh, the whatever sick... Because they saw the darkness, right? Because she came to the house. Oh, right. I get you to say it overtook her and yeah, killed her. Yeah, it just took her over and okay. she killed herself or it... It I wonder if they address that in the classic X-Men version of this. I don't know. It's a good question. And it seems like that'd be kind of an important little piece. Yeah. That got left out. Maybe could have had one less page of flashback for that. <laughs> yeah. A little bit less. Um, I know it's a lot of flashback. And it, it's kind of cool, but then also kind of weird that the entire comic, except for six or seven panels yeah is giant flashback i really feel like all they wanted to do in this issue was have the funeral and scott leaving and they felt like they couldn't write an issue's worth of that for whatever reason i think i think that it's this is the x-men becoming much more popular maybe so and assuming they picked up up well they, they, they that since giant size they picked up a lot of new readers right and the idea was this was a way to say hey Here's the what happened before. Here's a yeah. catch up for your new readership. But I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I do really like the way they handled Cyclops weaving. Yeah, I thought it was very well written. It made a lot of sense. It fits the story. Um, yeah, they did a good job with it. So I'm assuming these last several issues with all the Hellfire Club stuff. And all the Dark Phoenix stuff must have been a pretty short period of time. Either that or it took Kitty a really long time to get to the school. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I would assume the Shi'ar stuff is pretty quick. Yeah, you would think so. But the Hellfire Club stuff seems like that would have been... At least a little... I mean, they went to New Mexico and back, so... There should be some been At least been a little bit of time. Um... I'm also wondering on her bedazzled shirt, that same bitch? On Kitty Pryce? Yeah. No. We see ITC in the middle of a word. I don't know what other word that's in the middle of. <laughs> that really does. You're right. It looks like it says bitch. It really does look like it says She's that. ahead of her time. She is ahead of her time. Look at her being all late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. Rhinestone bitch shirt. So I guess my overall uh, thought on the flashbacks that they were long but informative, I guess. Yeah. It would definitely be nice if you were a new reader. Yeah. 
And the art is good. The art is good. And it, it, it and tells the whole story. with the possible exception of the Neil Adams issues, vastly superior to the original art. Yeah, I agree. No, Neil Adams is pretty badass. He didn't... Yeah. Baby time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um... What else? We got. Come, I thought this one might run short. You want to rate this one, or you want to? Yeah, I'll just rate it. Move on to the conclusion. Um, what'd you give on Kenny X Men one thirty eight? I'm gonna give it a four. It's it's enjoyable. Like yeah. I said, it's but it's not. It's good for what it is. It's still just a flashback. Yeah, I also I kind of waffle between a three and a four, but I eventually also settled on four yeah. out of six clause. Well, and the fact that Scott leaves, yeah, the fact that the, Kitty Pride gets there, the little bit that we have not in the flashback is pretty important. Yeah. So, if if it was just flashback and nothing important happened, right? Yeah, three, maybe even a two, right? But you get something out of it. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our conclusion. I feel like we're at the last scene of Star Wars. <laughs> award you a medal. Right. A medal for podcasting. That's right. Well, we're going to give awards medal. for these, these issues, I guess. Yeah. All right. So you want to talk about, I feel like there's kind of two ways we have to kind of wrap this up. Okay. There's the Dark Phoenix saga, and then there's our usual what we learned about Wolverine. So yeah. what do you want to tackle first? We're, we're in the Let's mindset of this. St- I think it's lesser okay. than the other. So here's what we learned about Wolverine. He was almost a cyborg. Almost a cyborg. Whatever that means. We get his first on-page kills. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. We kind of have his breakout as a badass. Yeah, especially with that one panel. We get the really cool moment where he's willing to kill Gene, but pulls back out of compassion. Yeah. So kind of that tug and pull of... His feral instinct, his willingness to make tough decisions, but ultimately still being a hero. Yeah. His concern for Kitty, the younger. Yeah, his kind of protection thing. When in doubt, he still will default to eventually, to truly trusting his senses. Yeah. So that kind of trumps everything else. And most importantly, we learn that he doesn't wear cowboy hats to funerals. <laughs> that is important. That is important to All know. Right. All right, so I will, I will admit I was a little nervous coming into this saga because I was a little bit worried. This being like one of the all-time giant X-Men stories, I was a little bit worried that I wasn't going to like it as much <laughs> yeah. as I am supposed to, yeah. you know, as an X-Men fan. But I think overall I did. Yeah, um, it's good. It holds up. It, hold, it held up really well, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous because... The things that I remember, because I haven't read this in forever. Yeah, me either. Like the last time I read this was I did a read through of some old X Men like back in two thousand. Yeah. So that was, I mean, fourteen years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And before that, I don't think when I read it as a kid, I didn't have all of it. Yeah. So I just read bits and pieces, and yeah, man, uh. Some of my negative inferences on some of the surrounding details, like the Shi'ar and yeah. the part of the moon that's 
the earth. <laughs> yeah. And like some of the some of the weird sci-fi stuff that I always thought, well, that should really be Fantastic Four, not X Men. Yeah. You know, back in, in my nineties heyday. <laughs> you know, I was just, I was just I was curious whether I would like this, but I, it turns out I, I really do. Yeah. So, well, and I think the one of the things about it is I, I always I never I don't like the Shi'ar in general. I thought I, like I did. Shi'ar. I liked them more than I thought I did. But there are there are certain stories yeah. where I do really like it. And I think the the what I'm learning, like you said, is that I don't dislike them as much as I always thought I did. Right. Because now we're going back and reading all these old stories, and I, I yet I have not disliked it so much right. yet. But I also think I've gotten to a place I like a little more of the fantasy elements than I did as a teenager. I mean, as a, I mean, you gotta remember, I I started with GI Joe and Punisher. Yeah, there was a certain aspect. You can say, "Oh, but it's like Star Wars," but it's really not. I, no, Star Wars is different. It's it's, it's more completely like Star different Trek. tone. Yeah. I would agree with that. And neither of us were really Star Trek fans. No, not really. So, yeah, I mean, that's our our journey through comic. Right. <laughs> it's always, we started out in the always drawn to the more realistic comics. Right. And the more spacey you got, the less interested we tended to be. Yes. As I've gotten older, I still don't necessarily love that stuff as much. Right, but I'm definitely more open to it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. It doesn't I, bother I, me. I like alternate realities and timelines more than I... That stuff used to drive me crazy. Yeah. But I, I like that stuff more. But yeah, I won't lie. There's parts of the Phoenix power in general that still frustrate me. Yeah. Right, But with the exception of maybe the middle issue of this epic saga, it didn't really detract from the story at all. Yeah. I may be looking at it as one big picture. I'm like, eh, you know, we t- we'll like the end of it. I mean, there's this infinite power, but it has to have a host. Yeah. Which to me is still kind of wonky. But everyone seems very satisfied that Jean yeah. killing herself also destroyed the Phoenix power. Which, of course, we'll, we'll learn later it really didn't. Right. But I guess to me the question is, why would they even think that to begin with? Like, why are they so satisfied with how this ended? I don't know. It's a good question. And I think, you know, the maybe the term infinite, maybe you just have to kind of quotation mark that. And right. That it's infinite as an expression of a re- really powerful, but not literally infinite. Right. Maybe they just don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, they just, they just use it because it's like, oh, it's just, it just seems like so much power. Yeah. There's no way to quantify this is truly infinite versus... Just right. way more powerful than anybody else, and the way the I story get, is, it doesn't. It doesn't. Unlike some of the other kind of powers we've talked about that don't make sense, this doesn't hinge on that. Whether or not she's truly right. infinite, or just way powerful, yeah, that's really doesn't really matter. Ultimately, yeah. I guess to me, I mean, maybe, maybe in a simple thing, we had the we had the part where the Shi'ar saw the Phoenix and they recognized like the energy readings and all that. So maybe just at the end on the moon, I know we were in a hurry to get back to Earth and do the funeral. Right. But maybe there could have been a thing like, oh, we we scanned the moon and there's no trace of the Phoenix power. They don't have to explain there where it goes or what happens to it. But right. at least at least then I can have confidence as a reader that they really believe that they've solved the situation. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. that's too nitpicky, but um, yeah, a little bit. But but I get your point, and and there is there is a a very rapid end, and I think part of that is just the way things happen in the old days. Yeah. Nowadays, nowadays we draw out conclusions. Oh more. yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh my goodness, can you imagine this in today's comics? Oh yeah. These eight issues would have been like in a year. No more. I'm going to assume oh, yeah, eight at months. least yeah, two to one. Be, I mean, we, we're talking like 20 comics. Yeah, that'd be a long one. Well, and even in, you know, <laughs> movies, every everything. One of my yeah. favorite examples, and I don't know if I've said that, told this on this podcast or not, but one of my favorite examples is watching Karate Kid and the final scene of Karate Kid when he does the actual crane kick. Yeah. It's like one second and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's so, it seems so anticlimactic in right. 2014 now right. because nowadays it'd be slow motion there'd be several panel shots of it right. the camera would spin around right. matrix you'd have, style you'd have all kinds of things that would happen that would draw that out for at least a good two minutes right whereas here it's like quick kick it's over yeah cheers yeah like, wait, wait, what happened you blink you miss it right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. The, the 2014 watchers like wait what happened did he, did he kick him <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what happened i was texting i looked yeah. down <laughs> exactly i was looking at my phone <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, but it, so it, to me, there's parts of an element of that here where it's like they've built this up now, and we're done. Let's get back right. to Earth and, and get out of here. But yeah, at the same time, it would have been nice because it was such a major storyline to say something about it. Right. And the Shi'ar, like you said, Shi'ar, they're okay with it. They just move on. Everybody yeah, moves they, on. They're perfectly so. content to just go about their business. Yeah, and it, it seems like there should have been some question of. Well, did did she die? Did the and is maybe, was Jean's body there? They don't really show that either. Well, no, we don't see that for sure. But well, that's maybe, what I'm saying. Maybe we needed to see. Did, what did she just incinerate? Is the funeral right. just a memorial service? Right. I don't know. Or did she physically die? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm wondering though if maybe there's an unknown knowledge that they didn't share with the reader that the phoenix was trapped in the body because even. When they teleport them to the Shi'ar planet, they're really more concerned with killing Jean than they are. Uh, there's the assumption, even up there, before she kills herself, that, that killing Jean would solve the situation. So I guess maybe that was enough. I don't know. It's well, hard. It's, it's hard. Not. Yeah, no, obviously. But it's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the Phoenix power. Maybe we're not supposed to. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're not supposed to. And I think maybe in the 70s or 80s. It was a lot easier point. to get away with that. Yeah, well... And then now you just say, well, look back then. I mean, it's it's almost like they took shortcuts back then and then used those shortcuts as just like, oh, well, you already know that. Yeah. When but they- you know, this is also... This goes to something we talked about. I, I'm trying to remember when. But about one of the things that, that's kind of frustrating about Chris Claremont sometimes is the, the super over-explaining about stuff that doesn't really need to be over-explained. Right. And then stuff that... Doesn't glossing over sense. the pseudoscience. Yeah, and it's like, well, this, is, this happened. <laughs> okay, you gave me three panels on uh, on the shirt, you know, but now we gotta, you know, this whole infinite power. We're just gonna accept that right off, right off the bat. Right. So you know, and yeah, again, comics. How could you really explain it? I don't know. But right. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but it's but you're right. Overall, it it, it definitely holds up, and it's a great, yeah, it's a great storyline. It, it deserves. It truly to lives be, up to Saga. Yeah. Oh yeah, it it it, yeah, it deserves to be in the pantheon of of amazing 
X-Men yeah. storylines. I agree. I feel like in a lot of ways, and we'll, we'll come back to Wolverine here in a second with this, I feel like in a lot of ways this is the culmination of everything Claremont and Byrne were doing. Yeah. And it kind of all led to this. Because even with, we, we have the addition of Kitty Pride. Right. Like we're introducing a new mutant, kind of the next generation. Yeah. Which is something that will be expanded on more, but we have that here already. Yeah. We have these like massive cabal of bad guys. Yeah. Uh, we have the Shi'ar stuff. We have the full kind of final resolution of Cyclops and Gene. Yeah. With Gene's death, Cyclops weaving. That doesn't stay resolved, but I mean, it kind of is a nice ending point for their story. Right. And honestly, we could have been the end of their story. And yeah. I would have been okay with that. Yeah. I would have missed Cyclops. And the comics would not have been the same without him. I mean, obviously. Obviously. But, I mean, there's a sense that if he had just gone off and said, you know what, I'm done. Like, story-wise, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm glad it's not. But, right. But, I'm but, okay it, but with it was a, it could have been an acceptable ending yeah. and for, we, for him. we developed Wolverine yeah. a lot in this arc. Well, it's funny because it's really about, I mean, this arc is really about Scott and Gene. Yeah. And, and every character gets their spotlight, but I feel like kind of the secondary story is the breakout of Wolverine. Yeah. And I think part of that is is Scott becoming removed allows Wolverine to well, take that place. I was going to say, you take Scott and Gene away, who are arguably the two X-Men that would have been more popular at this time. Yeah. And you really, and kind of, I think we'll kind of see this moving forward, it really kind of becomes the Wolverine show. Yeah. Removing them... You have truly the fruition that the the giant size X Men team is now the X Men, right? The only X Men, and all well, the other folks. Yeah, well, except for Angel comes back. Well, that's true. He actually will rejoin the team shortly. That's true. Spoilers, but either uh, way, at this point, yeah, at this no, moment here, you have, like you said, this is the mid end point. Now it's just the new guys left, basically. Wolverine is stepping into the yeah central role. I also think it kind of you know going back to giant size and then uh, ninety four right after that. This kind of completes Cyclops is really dealing with the death of Warpath. I think yeah, to a true. degree, and he's kind of he even remembers it in this episode. Yeah, in this issue. Yeah, in issue one thirty eight, he talks about it. So it's kind of really it really is like a steady progression of mm-hmm. everything they've been doing. Even before Byrne came on. So really, I guess this is Claremont's big epic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, we're not to harp on it too much. It's it's great. If you've never read it, uh, you should definitely, definitely do it for sure. I mean, I would hope you'd want to read all of these old issues we've been talking about. But, but this one is a must read Yeah, for any X-Men if, fan If you're an X-Men, if you want to call yourself an X-Men fan. Right. You got to read this one. I don't I don't like being the guy that's like, you have to do this. <laughs> but, but this. But you really do. You really, this, you really do need to read this yeah. just to, to understand the X-Men. And even if you're not an X-Men fan overall, if you're a Wolverine fan, particularly uh, 133, you need that to know just how cool Wolverine is. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, well, cool. Well, let's wrap up. Cameron, talk about your other stuff you got going on real fast. You know, same stuff I always got going on. I know, but History in case someone's just now hearing. Well, I just thought yeah. Historybanter.com is my website. Me and another guy, we do podcast about history movies we review them we try to be silly about it a little bit history banter podcast it's nice follow us on twitter at history banter facebook history banter as well yeah. um we do images and stories and 
podcasts and different things. Yeah. And I will say, even if you're not a huge history nerd, the podcast is still entertaining. I appreciate that. So that I caught up today on the the last two. So well, there you go. Yeah. So oh, I I did an interview for the the Something Beautiful podcast. And then what's that one? Um, it's a uh, it's a guy a guy I know that basically interviews people who mostly it's people who are doing important things with their lives <laughs> like charities and stuff like that but he he wanted to interview me to promote my podcast i guess okay cool. um so yeah i just talked it was a 30 40 minute podcast asking me about why i got into history and why we do the podcast and stuff like that so very nice i think i kind of rambled a little bit hey that's okay that's what guest spots are for <laughs> there you go his podcast is also good, so I'll mention that. Like I said, it's a lot of um, goodwill type people. So, awesome, very nice, very nice. Okay, well, um, all the usual crap. Uh, please leave an iTunes review, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. That's at Snickcast. Uh, you can send an email, any questions, theories, complaints, raid reviews to uh, Snickcast at yahoo.com. You want show notes and stuff? It's uh, snickcast.podbean.com is the official website. I think that about covers it. And this was a long episode, so I'm going to get out of here. So until next time, hugs and snicks. <laughs> Bye, single tear. I'm swaying. You can't see me because this is audio only. <laughs>